The following movie has been rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America. Some material may be inappropriate for young children. I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode will watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello listeners, we are back with a great episode today. We have Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, 1988, and we have a very special guest on with us today, another Ryan. Yes, our first of many Ryan guests. Uh, say hello, Ryan. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan the First. Actually, you, right. you've heard Ryan's voice on an episode before. He was on. He was the the caller on our Tron episode. Right. Yeah, my very fun. Uh, car echo reverb chamber <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I just am excited that you like listen to it in the car and you're like i'm gonna call right now <laughs> well it's a lot of fun thanks for having me on again that number is 707 yo trpd1 uh 707 yo trpd1 you can pause and call it right now <laughs> so i we usually ask people why they want to do this and we will in a sec but i want to point out uh so i so ryan and i know each other uh you know, I, I think if we'd met when we were more adults, we'd be like, have a be like, yeah, we're friends. And I think we're friends now. I'd like to say that we're friends. Let's make that official. Absolutely. Ryan and I are friends. Yeah. <laughs> but Ryan and I met when I was in like fourth grade and he was in, are you two Seven. years ahead of me or? Seven. Yeah, yeah. Three years. So at, at that time, that's a huge difference. Like now our age difference isn't a difference. Mm-hmm. But back then that's a huge difference because uh, him and his, his brother, his two brothers, his family lived down the street from us, and I was friends with uh, his brother Ross, who was a who was the same year as me. Now Ross, uh, I don't know if Ross wants to be on this. We'll <laughs> invite him. Why not? <laughs> yeah, but uh, Ross, uh, a lot. Of, Ro- you know Ross, Tara, of mm-hmm. course. Ross is is kind of legendary amongst my friends at this point for his antics at my bachelor party, which are a lot less, uh, um, a lot less Disney appropriate. <laughs> Well, but no, they're, they they're are. I'd say they're pretty hard PG thirteen, much yeah. like this movie. They're yeah. not nearly as <laughs> as as bad as you think they are when I say that. But um, so I will say that Ryan was one of the first people to contact me asking to be on the show. Uh, there have been a lot of people since, but I think once we started having co-hosts, you went, "Hi, I know this is weird." Like I remember like an email or whatever. You're like. Hey, I, I know this might be a little like forward, but I want to do some episodes. And I was like, yeah, okay. So you asked for Roger Rabbit pretty early on. Um, yeah. Why did you want to do Roger Rabbit? So Roger Rabbit, um, special to me because I have a very distinct memory of seeing this in the theater as a kid. I was uh, nine years old, so like third grade, fourth grade, right when this came out. And I distinctly remember running around the playground with my friend. There's a part you'll see where the taxi cab kind of swears and he says, Sister Mary Francis, what the... And I didn't understand what he said in my like fourth grade mind. He said, Sister Mary Francis. Like there's a guy named Francis who's very systemic. 
So we'd run around the playground <laughs> shouting, Sister Mary Francis, Sister Mary Francis, like it was a cool thing that grown-ups said, like an edgy cartoon cat. <laughs> Uh, decades later, I found it was wrong, but I've loved this movie ever since. I think it holds up really well. I think it ages well. I think it's uh, uh, it's, it's it's got a lot of really cool, crazy stuff. It's also before Robert Zemeckis goes like full tilt into like CGI Uncanny Valley land. So yeah, yeah. I think I agree with you. I think this is a I think this is a classic movie, not just a classic Disney movie. I think this is. Uh, because of not only how they did, you know, they've we've done movies where they do live action and, and animation. This one is so good and so well put together how they did it. Um, I agree. It's a classic movie. My remembrance of it. So if it's 1988, if you were uh, nine, I was six or seven and I saw it in a theater, which yeah. <laughs> I feel like nine might be a little better to watch this. I remember seeing I didn't realize when I, when I looked at this that it came out before little mermaid for some reason because i remember seeing both of those movies in the theaters and this one i remember because it was my mom and dad took out like went with their other adult friends who had older children older children than Mm. me they had my sister's age children which is about 10 years older than me and they wanted to go out and they said well let's go see who framed roger rabbit and my parents went well we'll take ryan he's it's a cartoon it'll be fine it was not fine uh i was deathly t- i spent the from the second that judge doom starts screaming in that high pitched voice <laughs> to when he dies i am like head first in my mom's lap like crying Aww. and i remember that very distinctly and um you know nobody here will get this except for tara but uh tom my dad's friend who's also kind of a grump i remember distinctly being like get over it <laughs> like, yeah. like, and i'm like six like and, and and that Judge Doom scene is pretty rough. Oh, it's intense. It's intense. What is what is your memory of this movie? I don't remember the first time I watched it. I definitely watched it as a kid. I remember having a, a plush Roger Rabbit where you pulled a string and he said like all these different phrases. So right. I definitely had a Roger Rabbit stuffed animal. So I know it was one that I enjoyed, but I I don't have like vivid memories like Ryan always has like very can remember very specific things from a very young age and for me it's very blurred and like another example of that is for Christmas I asked for some of the movies we've really enjoyed I've asked for them on Blu-ray to add to our shelf like our physical shelf of Disney movies I have to post a picture of it and my mom wrote a note about Cinderella and wrote how much I liked it as a child and I have like no memory of that (laughs) I I love the movie as an adult and I remember watching it as a child and liking it but apparently I really liked it as a child but I didn't I don't have like some movies I have a stronger nostalgia to um, but this is another one of those where I've seen it multiple times I haven't seen it in a very long time though um, but I have seen it multiple times. I remember really enjoying it. I remember being scared at the part with the barrel, right? Mm-hmm. That's the part you're talking about at the oh, end. Oh, no, no, no. That's in the where he's that part's scary too, but I don't yeah. remember that as much as the yeah, other. Yeah, that part I remember scaring me. Yeah, the barrel. He dips That's it in. When he yeah. murders a shoe. Let's yeah. there'll be a warning at the beginning of this episode, but just you know, we usually talk yeah. about appropriateness. This is a PG-13 movie, and also there's some a warning pretty adult because stuff. Some of yeah. my facts talk about adult stuff, too, yeah. with some of the characters. So, yeah, yeah. We, we'll put the warning at the, we'll, the beginning We'll still of the put episode. the quacks in this episode, but, <laughs> we, yeah, just letting you but know. But the content's a little well, bit I more think adult. that's kind of part of what makes it a really classic 80s movie experience, because if a movie from the <laughs> 80s doesn't, like, at some moment shock you and terrify you and give you something inappropriate, it's not you're not really capturing the essence of that time. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. The it's, the 80s is because you said in your voicemail like. I remember when I saw, you know, like, oh my God, the rats are bleeding. I remember watching yeah. and going, there's blood in this movie. And it's yeah. always stuff that's like innocuous, but where it is and like who the movie is, is, do you remember, my mom used to have fits about this growing up, but do you remember like, I remember when I was a kid, there were Freddy Krueger toys yeah. and alien toys and, and Rambo. All these toys from, for movies that are not for kids. Yeah. And that was a big thing with my mom. She was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and you talking about, Tara, you talking about having a toy for this. Like, this is such a, like, toes that line of, like, yeah. it's clearly marketed to children, but it's not a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. No. I, I don't know. I know, yeah. like, I have thoughts of that being older now, but, like, I still think it's a, it's a great movie. Why don't you hit us with the synopsis? Yeah, so the synopsis here is a tune-hating detective is a cartoon rabbit's only hope to prove his innocence when he's accused of murder. And it got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah, so very high movie. score. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then... It- it going. Let's talk real quick about the top three grossing movies that year. Uh, Rain Man. Oh. Who, who framed Roger Rabbit? Number two. All right. Wow. And Coming to America. Number three. Just to put this in perspective, which was fascinating to me. Uh, number ten. The number ten spot is two movies that were two so close they were tied. Uh, Die Hard at number ten that year is crazy, and The Naked Gun. <laughs> the idea that wow. The Naked Gun is tied with. <laughs> Die Hard, which is such like a classic movie at this point, is so weird to me. Yeah, it also was nominated and won some Oscars. So I mm-hmm. wanted to just list those. It won the Oscar for best film editing. It won the Oscar for best effects, sound effects editing, and it won the Oscar for best effects and visual effects. And then it was nominated for three more. So it was nominated for best cinematography, best art direction, set decoration, and best sound. So it didn't win those three, but it was nominated. So I just wanted to talk about that because we're kind of in the time where Disney movies are not nominated for anything until I think Little Mermaid, and then you start to see it again. Um, So I did want to mention that because this one had six nominations with three wins at the Oscars that year. Well, in this one, like, I think the animation on this really is, you know, we talked about on Great Mouse Detective how it pushed it into the – Disney Renaissance. I think this did as well because one of the key animators on it was uh, Andreas Deja, who's someone we've talked about in the podcast before. He did the animation for uh, Jafar Mm -hmm. and Scar. Like he's like a head animator, I think, after this. But this was kind of his start. And the Frank and Ollie villains book that I have, Roger Rabbit is included. Judge Mm -hmm. Doom's included in it, and they talk about how the excitement and the joy for animation kind of came back with this film that, you know, Disney at this point, their animation's a little bit weaker. Their motion picture films, their live action are a little bit stronger. And so this kind well, of got touchstone, which is, yeah, released which is under, what this yeah. is. And so this blends the two together. And I think it reinvigorated people to see like, Oh, we we're capable of doing all of this like we did this this is like such a huge accomplishment and i think that kind of propelled them forward a little bit well part of it was everything they wanted to do in this wasn't was hard it was hard to do yeah but all the animation part of it was essentially they're like oh we know how to do everything on here this wasn't like tron when they're like we'll figure it out and stuff like that this is they go we we know how to do all this stuff but to do it the way you want it to is just going to take time. Well, and to make it look as flawlessly as yes. they did. Yeah. Because they yeah. dealt with uh, shading. They dealt with making the characters look rounder so they felt like they were in a 3D environment. Mm-hmm. Um, every frame of animation had four parts to it. It had the animated flat. It had at least four parts because 
there's something oh so it's the animated flat the mat which is the black part of it cut out from that they had the uh shading that which is just the black and white like uh you know shadows and stuff and then it was like the color the color volumetric color i think highlights it was the it was the color highlights and then you look at like when we watch it watch jessica rabbit's dress when she comes out because that's all sparkling and mm-hmm. so there's a vfx layer on top of that yeah mm-hmm. let's make it actually like blink and stuff well so that's every piece it just took time the head animator said he loved doing it but he goes i remember very distinctly running to the room all the time and going draw faster about <laughs> twice a week <laughs> so i have two facts when you mention that one with the head animator i'll say this one now but now i have to find the number there were 326 animators that worked full time mm-hmm. on the film and they estimate that about 82,080 frames of animation were drawn including concept art and storyboards and the head animator estimates that over 1 million drawings were done for the film altogether so i thought that that was kind of crazy um, the other thing is there's a term in the industry called bump the lamp. Oh yeah. 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 And this is really cool. So bump the lamp is a term that is used by Disney employees. That means they go the extra mile on an effect to make it more special, even though an audience as a whole might not notice it or be aware of it. And it came from this film and it's when Eddie takes Roger Rabbit into the back room of the bar where Dolores is working to cut apart the handcuffs the lamp from the ceiling is bumped and it's swinging. And there was lots of extra work needed to make the shadows match between the actual room shots and the animation. So that term bump the lamp is you need to go the extra mile Mm -hmm. and make it look as real as possible. And I thought that that was really cool. I remember seeing this as a kid and just a hundred percent believing that those cartoons were in the real world walking around. They're moving chairs. He's le- he left a fingerprint on the chair. He bumped that thing. Like, yeah. it, it yeah. looked so flawless. It was amazing. Oh, and the dust? It's yeah. the, the interaction. So they talk about Robert Zemeckis said, he's like, oh, basically, I just made it a, an Invisible Man movie, and we just went the extra mile. But the, the, the way that started was they sat down, and they started talking about how they wanted to do this movie, and they shot this test footage, which was essentially just – a dude i don't even know who they are it might not have been an actor it was might have just been an animator in a uh trench coat and a hat walks down these stairs in a dark alley and like turns the corner and is like the whole time they're showing it and like things they, they go well, we have to make sure he's interacting with stuff let's knock this stuff over let's do this and then they did roger in it and it's like an early roger but it looks like roger and he does the whole thing and it's it's in the documentary of course i'll post on facebook and they all got done with it and they're sitting there looking at it and they're like this is amazing. Like, like it, like the, apparently the executives came over and they're like, so someone's in a suit. Like, how are we doing this? Like he, they didn't understand that they shot it and just moved everything mm-hmm. with like wires and stuff. And then they're like, that's a, that's a person. That's a person, right? Like they didn't understand what was going on. They're like, no, we just animated that. Well, another thing going back to what, um, Ryan, I'll say, I'll say my Ryan when it's you. Uh, But when Ryan talked about, you said, you know, feeling like those characters were just walking around and that, you know, they were as real as the live action actors. Bob Haskins or Haskins or Hoskins, Hoskins. Bob Hoskins said for two weeks after his son saw the film, he wouldn't talk to him because he was angry. (laughs) He was upset that he got to work with Bugs Bunny and his son didn't get to meet him. (laughs) So that goes to your point of like, you know, feeling that it was so real. And another thing I wanted to mention about Bugs Bunny is talking about 
Disney and Warner Brothers working together and those characters. Oh, yeah. So yeah. this movie Endgame, was made nothing. Avengers Endgame. Right. We're talking about this cross. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie was made by Disney Touchstone Pictures, which my Ryan mentioned, uh, and Warner <laughs> Brothers. And so Warner Brothers would only allow use of their biggest tune stars, so Bugs and Daffy, only if they got as much screen time as Mickey and Donald. So when you're watching oh, wow. the film, you're going to notice that most of the time they always appear in pairs. So mm-hmm. it's always one Disney character and one Warner Brothers character. Mm-hmm. So they would get equal screen time. So I thought that that was kind of interesting, that they they made like a big push for that. I want to go back to what you are talking about Bob Hoskins in oh, this yeah. movie. Um, so the way this movie was filmed was they would do a shot with these. They'd have to scale rubber versions of Roger Rabbit, of the weasels, of all that stuff. And they'd have people run around with them and they'd shoot. He, he, like Bob Hoskins says... Somewhere there's a movie that's this whole movie with me with my reading glasses on. The only difference is it's me with my reading glasses on and everyone's running around with these rubber <laughs> versions because they'd shoot it like that to get eye line to think, okay, what is – because he because Zemeckis was like, I want to shoot this like a real movie. I got to think, what's this character going to look like in the frame? Mm-hmm. So we'll and do how it this he needs way. to look. And there's a scene about that they had to change because of his eyesight, right? Yeah, there's a scene. So when oh. Eddie and gets – this – sorry to cut you oh, off, sorry. but this is mentioned in – I just want to give a shout out to this show the prop show yes. on disney plus there's have you seen prop culture no. on uh, disney plus so oh definitely check it out but there's a we roger need to watch rabbit. we need to watch the tron yeah episode now that now. i've seen it but there's a roger <laughs> rabbit episode so the story ryan's about to tell is mentioned in this but it's also mentioned in the facts i looked up as well i'll get i'll get to that story in a sec because let me just oh, finish this out sorry. so they did it like that the other big thing was they had all the uh, voice actors on set doing their voices for the characters. Like, oh, yeah. There's a lot of talk because uh, Ruben Fleischer... No, 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 no. What's his I've name? Charles his Fleischer. Name. Yeah. Ruben Fleischer is somebody else. Uh, Charles Fleischer had like a Roger Rabbit costume made for him when he did it because he's like, <laughs> he's a weird dude. And he like really wanted to envelop the character. And it was funny because apparently the baby Huey, baby Herman... Yeah, uh, guy walked on and saw him and said, he turns and goes, I'm not wearing a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was like, I'm not doing that. Um, so they would be on set to do the thing. So they really wanted it to feel like the movie was shot live and then they'd let people come back later. So Bob Hoskins was, especially in this documentary, is constantly just, uh, uh, um, you know, what's the word? I'm, I want to say rewarded, but everyone's going like, just heaping praise on him because they're like, think about it. You're looking at something right here and it goes away like you're not looking there anymore. You're looking at the wall. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're like, for some reason, Bob Hoskins knew not only where they'd be height wise, but he's like, we don't know how he did it. But he like seemed to focus on nothing. (laughs) And they're like this movie. And they sent them all to mime classes because he'd do the whole movie. Just come here, Roger. And like grabbing nothing. And they did all that. Um, The scene you're talking about was they get out of the car and they're going to Maroon Studios like after hours and Roger is sneaking around and all of a sudden he pins up against the wall and he gets on his toes and he gets like he gets almost seven tall. inches taller yeah. than he usually is. And it's because Bob Hoskins, that's the one time he screwed up his sight line uh. and he looked way too high. So they, <laughs> they, had him met, they, they just drew Roger to yeah. meet him. And the same thing, if you check out the prop show, you get to meet the voice of Roger Rabbit and, he's and a nut. he still has part of like, the costume or they bring part of what he wore so it's it's a cool episode um so i wanted to give a shout out to that there's a mary poppins episode that's really good and there's a couple other episodes nightmare before christmas i think those are the three we've seen yeah Hmm. so they're they're all really interesting but yeah muppet movie there's a muppet movie one oh yeah oh cool 
Um, but I remember we didn't watch Tron specifically because you're like, I'm not going to get any of this. Yeah, well, <laughs> we didn't watch Tron. I know. Well, and here might be a good moment to talk about it was based off the book, but it's not really based off the book. Okay. And I know you have some strong feelings about <laughs> yes. the book. So I don't know how far you want to go into it. And Ryan, have you read the book? No, I did not. I didn't okay. know anything about a book. No. Yeah, so I think we should at least mention that there is a book. And I then you say, can decide how much you want to talk about I think about there's it. so much more to talk about this, but we would have like a 40-minute intro before we even started the movie. So let's <laughs> save a bunch of the stuff I have, and we'll talk about it while we're talking about with it. With the yet. book. But, okay. No, 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 the other stuff. Let's, oh, okay. let's hit the book, because I want to talk about the book and then get it over And with. then be done with it. Okay. <laughs> so I read the book uh, right before... I was trying to get it in right before... Uh, we, 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 I was going to say shot this, but before we, we recorded this, um, it is based on a book called uh, Who Censored Roger Rabbit by Gary K. Wolf. So from the start, the book had a very like iconic cover where it's like, it just looked like a rabbit with like, like this detective talking to a rabbit in like a trench coat. But then you open it up and every piece of art after that is clearly using specifically the roger rabbit who framed roger rabbit movie stuff like in the back he's in a car and they've drawn jessica next to him and jessica's <laughs> not really like that in the comic because she's different mm-hmm. and then like the picture so it's, Robert Rab- it's a printing after it's the movie. because he's it's because he's trying to make money off it the yeah. book is not very good the book is essentially so first of all they're not cartoons like animated cartoons they're mostly comic book and comic strip cartoons and the idea is whenever a tune in this world talks like they'll get thought bubbles and stuff and it'll say sometimes their word or how they're feeling and people take pictures of it. And that's how you make a cartoon in this world, which is kind of clever. But then like, and it's, and Roger dies in the first 10 chapters. The whole movie is, is mostly about the book is about who killed Roger Rabbit. And then his doppelganger is hanging out with Eddie Valiant because cartoons can create doppelgangers in this world. (laughs) Which they only bring up twice, like once Jessica does it as a stunt double in a commercial she's doing, and then Roger does it so that his double can live with Eddie and help him. There's no Judge Doom, like there's two lines in it that I think they took straight from this to the the movie, which is Baby Herman's I'm a 39-year-old libido with a three-year-old dinky. Yeah. And then uh, Jessica saying... Um, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Well, and that apparently that quote, I've got a little fact about that quote. It is apparently number 83 on 100 best movie quotes of all time. Oh, I so. believe wow. that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, it is a really good quote. But the the thing, it's just every chapter is just Eddie Valiant going to another person to ask them what they saw. And I'm like, and the, or maybe it's staying at home and talking about how stupid he, how much he hates tunes. In the movie, he hates tunes because a tune killed his brother. In the book, he hates tunes because he's racist. And tunes, as far as I can tell in the book, equal black people. Oh, no. Like they're like, this neighborhood was great till tunes came in. Oh god, I'd love, love to see her strung up by her neck in a tree. Oh god, and, oh, and I'm gosh. like, good lord! Like I was just reading. And finally, I'll be honest, I didn't read the end because I finally just went, I can't stand this anymore. And I went and it's the a spoiler alert. If you don't want to see hear the end of who censored Roger Rabbit, it was a genie. There's this whole thing about a tea kettle that they, that Roger stole off the set of Alice in Wonderland <laughs> and which he was actually, he had a bit part in and it was like, it was a genie and the genie killed Roger, but Roger killed the other person. It's so, I'm just like, oh. I read it and I'm like, 
I, I just, the whole time, they kept making a big deal out of the tea kettle. I'm like, I bet it's a genie's lamp. And sure enough, that was a big twist. And I'm yeah. like, this is, I just, uh, the it, it, here's the thing. If you really want to be a completionist, check it out. If you like the book, I don't, I don't like judge you. I think there's a lot to be said about, it's written in 1981, but there's a lot of like thinly veiled racism about black people in entertainment. It's too bad because there's, there's so much, if you want to like nerd out on this movie, there's so many better things to nerd out, nerd out on. Like yeah, there's that's, that's so many buried say. references in here. Yes. You, there's, there's so many different cameos galore. I think, yeah. I think so- we're going to enjoy it because we've seen all these movies and we're going to be like, cause like I forgot Mary Poppins penguins are like mm-hmm. the, the waiters at the ink and paint club. It's called the ink and paint club yeah. because of the ink and paint department. And it's, it's, it's an anime. It's this one's great. Cause of all that stuff. And the book is like, there's a part where like he meets Dick Tracy, and that's about it. Ah. Like, a, like they mention <laughs> yeah. stuff, but I have a couple more things I just want to share. Then, okay. unless you guys have anything else, this is the first movie and the only one up till 2020 to have characters from both Walt Disney and Warner Brothers to appear together on screen. So what was 2020? Oh, just like until as now? in oh. uh, up until now. So yeah, I don't know if they have any future plans to do anything together. I don't think they do. But everybody's so like miserly with their yes, content with their, and their yeah. IP at this point. So yeah, they're all sticking together. I also read, I don't know if you read about the budget, but I read it had an estimated production budget of 70 million. Does that sound right? Yeah. I don't um, see why not. It says it was the most expensive film produced in the eighties and it had the longest on screen credits for a film. So I thought wow. that that was kind of interesting. Um, Another thing I found interesting is that the first test audience was mostly 18 and 19 year olds and they hated it. Most of them walked out on the screening <laughs> yes. and Robert Zemeckis, that's yeah. how you say his name. He had the final cut and he refused to change a thing. He's so, like, I don't care. That they yeah. Didn't that's like in, it. The, in the documentary I saw because they would, he goes, they were showing it on a Friday night. They're getting all these teenagers there with their dates. And the first five minutes is a flat out cartoon. And they were like, I'm not here to see this. And they got up and they left. And like the other stuff all had like, we were still finishing animation. So yeah. it would just, it would be on, it'd be some of the shots with them talking to nothing. Yeah. And so they were like, well, we're out of here. And he's like, I'm not changing anything. I think it's good. And he said they got really, they got like exponentially better as they got closer and closer to a finished mm. film. Uh, yeah. I also have something that I wanted to check it with you, my Ryan. Uh, Jessica Rabbit, her speaking voice is Kathleen Turner, yeah. but her singing voice is Amy Irving. And I read something that said only Irving is credited. Yeah. Kathleen Turner didn't want to be credited. She talked about that. Okay. In the, I couldn't uh, remember. I thought that that was true, but I, think I wanted everyone to double check. knew and it like be like, oh yeah, it's in it. But she's not, she may not actually be in the credits. There was, maybe it, she is eventually, but she talks a little bit about that in the prop culture. She says, you know, I didn't want to. Yeah. And it wasn't because it was, she didn't want to be a name in it. She wanted mm. it. She wanted Jessica to breathe on her own. That's right. That's uh. right. Uh, I also wanted to talk specifically about um, Jessica's curves. Uh, so Me too. Yeah. Let's talk about so, an early awakening for young Ryan. That's actually not what I'm talking about. However, uh, to give Jessica Rabbit ample bosom and unusual bounce, uh, her supervising animator, who was Russell Hall, he reversed what happens naturally. So he reversed the natural up and down movements as she walked and her breasts bounced. So they go in opposite of how it would in real life. So that's kind of what gives it. Oh. I hope so that they didn't ruin more? it. You, yeah, like they bounced up when a real real woman's breast would bounce down. Well, so I don't know if that's going to spoil it... anything for you now that <laughs> you watch gonna... it. But 
I just imagine this poor guy going home to his wife with all this like, you know, uh, uh, what sort I'm looking for, like Sketches? reference. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I gotta watch this. I'm this is the job. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I just found it interesting that he reversed like gravity essentially, like how, and um, and that's what like kind of makes it even more. I think it catches your eye more. One more thing, I want to jump in with with Jessica. Uh, one of the things I think we need to think about in this movie is, 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 is like the unsung hero is the music because you got to remember mm-hmm. this is a, not, this is a, has wonderful nor like film noir soundtrack, but it's also got to sound like a cartoon, which yeah. are, it's like, mm-hmm. and then it's like this real like steamy, but so they had a like jazz group that sat in with the London symphony orchestra and they didn't write anything for Jessica's music. Mm. They just go, well, they they played it once and then they had like they go go and the the the, the jazz all of that is improv. Wow, <laughs> I didn't know that's that either. That's incredible because yeah, it's that's so awesome. good. And yeah, her stuff is like well, perfect. and I mean it makes sense that they were improvising what they were seeing, right? So they were yeah. watching it and improvising on top of it. I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, that's that's so they filmed cool. it. The, they they shot they did the same way they do when they do orchestral stuff, mm-hmm. but they would go. This is the scene. And go. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. The only other thing I wanted to throw out to you as we're kind of building up to this, like you kind of talked a little bit about how this is an interesting time for Disney because they're coming off. They were really experimenting with Tron. Now they're trying to get their animation studios back up. You know, they they're about to hit Little Mermaid pretty soon after this. Um, Next year, I think. Yeah, the yeah. So they're they're picking up their stride. But that's still a huge investment to like risk on this weird, like very technically heavy animated thing. But also, um, Robert Zemeckis is coming off of Back to the Future making this. Mm, this is right. like yeah. his third real actual movie he's made is, is Roger Rabbit. So, like as a director to come in and say, "Let's do it," because he did like Romancing the Stone, and then he just did Back that's to the, the Future, and then he hits this, and he. To like take on the weird, bizarre challenge of animated and double shooting it with the props and all this stuff. It's just a, uh, it's just a. Uh, it makes it more impressive, even you know, in my mind to see what he went through to get that. Another thing that's interesting talking about Jessica Rabbit. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but we have started talking about the things you catch, right? The things that people are like, oh, this was inappropriate and this was put in oh, the animation. Oh yeah, yeah, or yeah, I forgot about all. So this. supposedly in the original VHS release, when Eddie and Jessica are thrown out of the car, you can see a few short frames that she's not wearing any underwear. It wasn't purposely done. It was just nude colored ink there when she flipped. oh really i don't that's know what that it I've says a... here it just says it was just flesh colored paint is what it says see and i feel so... like when i was growing up on the playground it was like if you freeze frame it you'll see a woman's underparts naked it's like yeah so you would have to draw that and that's yeah, like no no one drew it's not like exactly. it's not like basic instinct where it's a real woman and that's yes. there it's like... it was just like the color of the paint was there so then they switched it to white paint to restore her underwear, and then apparently it's been changed again to eliminate it altogether. So I don't exactly. I would know. put Baby Herman's face there. So, that came <laughs> out, I was like, hey, so but like it sounds second. like it happened quick enough that most people probably didn't catch that it happened. I don't know, but no, it um, was it was it was during because I think this is the same thing with the uh, the rescuers. It was you know like freeze frame technology, the pause button on a yeah. on a VHS. Yeah, it was like, ooh, what's that? And they tried to do that. Yeah. Some was like i'm gonna get every frame of jessica rabbit well when i yeah i remember hearing this legend because uh when i was in high school i think is when laser discs had their brief moment 
in the spotlight. And this laser disc was notorious for having something like, like there's some place where you freeze frame it and there's something there. And uh, it was not as cool a story as it, as it sounds like, but it was, uh, it never, we never got to figure it out. But do you remember that? You remember hearing about like there's some like well, laser discs? Uh, yeah, you said like it wasn't a cool is... story, as you remember. But like, remember when this was happening? I was like in middle school or yeah. late elementary school. So the idea of like someone had drawn a cartoon lady's parts was like, oh my god! Like I had no like just. It's also all hyped up, right? Yeah, like exactly. the legend yeah. of it and trying to spot it. Just so many things, because there used to be this time on the playground when you were a kid when you had a friend whose dad worked in Japan and he played Super Mario 9. And you'd worked yeah. out about, like, there was a whole scene, there was a whole scene with Jessica Rabbit completely nude somewhere. And there was all this stuff that existed. And now, like, none now of that exists internet, anymore. You just, you just yeah. it. Yeah. If you have a friend who says dumb <laughs> on the playground, you just go, hold up. Doop, doop, yeah. Doop, doop. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it what is else is different. so kind of has the 80s mystique about it because you watch these movies there's weird stuff in these movies and you maybe maybe they did bury something who knows because i saw a knife uh, in the back of that rat that really happened yeah. and <laughs> now he's telling me i can see this yeah. you know ladies uh, maybe so who knows now that you know? they're doing rats and other uh, they're doing <laughs> knives and characters like yeah. who knows what else is out there <laughs> anyway <laughs> Um, um, this is maybe our longest intro that's yet. That's okay, because <laughs> I have just really two more things, but okay. I also want to say here, if you are into this movie, go do a deep dive, because this is like a fraction of what's out there about the facts and the deep dives with diving in. So I did want to say that I think this intro should be longer, yeah. because there is so much information out there about this film. There are, you know, I've, There's a whole thing on toys, video games, yeah. um, the, their presence at the park, there's all that, and I'll be posting like links for that in Facebook, but it's stuff that like we had to say like we can't talk about. Yeah. Uh, something I did want to mention, though, is apparently there were going to be seven weasels originally to be a parody of the seven dwarves, and their names were going to be Greasy, Sleazy, Wheezy, Smart, Psycho, Stupid, and Slimy. The <laughs> only one that doesn't exist is Slimy. Is slimy. Those are all so there, Those are their so names. So there are six? They don't name okay. them. All right, because I didn't know their names, so I didn't. So those are their actual but names? I remember Smart because they... You know, there's a, there a lot of kid marketing with that. And I think every once in a while that name would make its way mm. onto the marketing. I had a uh, escape from the barrel of dip like board game where you're like flipping them. And then it had little like standy figures and on the, it had every single weasel except for that one. Oh, oh interesting. Which is, I, I, I think that's the main one or they named him something else. I don't know. Anyway, like, yeah. Like, yeah. again, this goes to the like, this is marketed to kids. But then some of them have names you can't. Yeah. Sell a kid. Yeah. You can't sell a kid a smart toy. Exactly, yeah. The other two things I have is the title, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It's a question, so it should have a question mark after it, but supposedly they don't do that because that's bad luck in the industry. Hmm. So that's why the question mark doesn't appear. So I thought that that was interesting. And then lastly, talking about the design of Roger Rabbit, they describe him in this way. He's got a Warner Brothers face, a Walt Disney body, a Tex Avery attitude, Goofy's overalls, Mickey's gloves, and Porky Pig's bow tie. He also, if you notice, there's yellow in there too, but they made him mostly red, white, and blue, so you'd subconsciously like him because yeah. he's American. <laughs> like they wrote that. He goes, I made him these colors, so you'd yeah. go, oh, we like the flag, we like Roger. Yeah. So So I think that's a, a good space to end unless you guys have anything else. But yeah, there is so much information on this film out there, so I definitely encourage you uh, listeners to look up 
additional information. And if you find something we haven't talked about, feel free to post it in the Facebook group for sure. Ryan, I felt like we were throwing a lot of facts out there. Is there anything else you wanted to add or, or, or pipe in with right now? Um, I think one of the other fascinating things you mentioned Tex Avery is just, mm. so there's three major animation studios represented in this and they, I feel like they capture their different styles really well. So as you watch, mm-hmm. you yeah. kind of see not just how the character design is, how they kind of move and all that stuff. And uh, it's just really, really exciting. I love getting to get into the weeds with all that. We can probably, like you said, talk about this a lot longer, but. And I think we can cover it more after we've watched it too, talking yeah. about that. Cause I think that is an important thing to focus on, like recognizing each of the styles within the film. I'm going to do my best to do my job. I know normally you're the notes writer, but I'm going to try and get as many, cameos oh you can do that yeah because i know i there's i just want to sit back and watch i almost watched the whole thing the other day because there's a version i have the old dvd and there's a version that does like pop-up video effect uh little uh facts facts, but i i i i'm just i'm so excited for this let's let's stop messing around (laughs) it's time let's take it out of the clamshell and put it into the vh vhs all right see you on the other side listeners We are back, and that was everything I remember and more. I laughed a lot. I was also horrified a lot. I'm really curious about your takes on it, especially because it's a movie I think both of you remembered way more than I did. Tara at one point went, I can't believe they let us watch this as children. It was Doom's death scene. I was like, I can't believe we've all seen this as young children. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrifying and amazing. It was wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I got to be honest. I have such vivid memories of every part of this film, but like I do in a lot of films, I really have absorbed and stuff like that. But it's amazing that it's a hundred percent memory. And then when I get to the doom part, like it's, it's, you feel this like dip. Because you so like, were, I'm yeah, like, you what blocked happens it out. Here? Like, I don't remember, yeah, I don't remember him having spring shoes and jumping. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I just don't I remember those parts. Locked in on that. I was really excited to see it again this time. I don't think I had picked up on a lot of the music cues sounding like Back to the Future. Ryan, I think you pointed yeah. that out. Well, there's the part where like Eddie Valiant discovers something and there's that Back to the Future like chimes yeah you know i was like that sounds exactly like back to the future well and i don't think we mentioned it but you said the director who did back to the future does this next and And alan silvestri and then he also worked with christopher lloyd who also Mm. was in both so it is interesting that like all three of those people did back-to-back pictures and even though i've not seen it i know enough about back to the future to know it's very (laughs) different from this so it's it's interesting that all three of them work together on these back-to-back films that mm-hmm. were so different in so many ways. I, it, just to you know, let everybody in, it's the night before we all come back after Christmas break. It's getting a little bit late. I know one of us has worked today, so let's just dive right into it and like, let's go. I know we have eight 
billion things to say about this movie because we yes. all seem to like it so much. So all right, so uh, feel free to stop me whenever. But oh yes, uh, I have will... to stop Tara. I have four pages of cameo notes. So do you want to do the cameos? Do you want to save them all for the end, or do you want to interject as they happen in the movie? I've written some of them down in the movie. But... When you get to those areas, I'll jump in with who okay. I saw. And if anybody else says anything else, we'll, okay. we'll do it. And I have the worst handwriting in the words world, so we'll even see if you get them all. This one, Twardy Bird and Garth. <laughs> Like, oh, that's, I can read here, so. Uh, so it opens with Roger Rabbit, the title, who framed Roger Rabbit, and then it opens as if you were watching a Looney Tunes cartoon, mm-hmm. essentially, and we meet Baby Herman and Roger Rabbit, and you only see the adult from, like, her knee down, and later on you see that that's a prop, like, the leg is a prop. Did it's you not... see that? Yeah, it's like stilts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. a guy on, like, fake leg stilts. It was wonderful. Yeah, I love so like when, when he emerges. Well, that whole scene, like it's Baby Huey's baby. I keep saying Baby Huey. Baby, baby Herman, Herman. Yeah. keeps getting into trouble, and Roger's trying to save him, but he keeps getting hurt, and Baby well, Herman seems just fine. And I'm fine that Baby Herman has a pink bow in their hair, but it's definitely a boy name, but very much looks like a girl baby. I think it's just Don't supposed to look like a cute no? angelic oh, baby. Cute I angelic think it's supposed baby. to be a boy yeah, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine either way, but I think I always thought it was a girl baby with a boy voice, but I guess it really doesn't matter. But it yeah. ends with the fridge falling on Roger, and when we cut to... The whole bit is Roger can't, for some reason, get stars to show up when he gets hit in the head, which is what was in the script. But so when the, the fridge opens, you notice that everything is live action, even the stuff in the fridge, but it's drawn in such a cartoony manner, which I love the idea that not everything in a cartoon is a cartoon prop. It's a yeah. real prop that has been like they have drawn a warehouse a full of these like fake cheeses and things that are yeah, go in yeah, cartoon yeah. fridges. And one thing I wanted to say, like, it's amazing they spent like enough time making this a legitimate short cartoon. And it was like yes. really great. Like all the visual gags were great. The timing was great. There's this wonderful like weird plasticity to the geography of the room. So one minute's like as big as a football field, and then it's this really little space. It just feels like a really actual uh, a cartoon that they made that didn't have to put all that much effort into it. And then they they did such an amazing job with it. Yeah, and there's all the gags, like when you think Looney Tunes, like when all the knives go against Roger and mm-hmm. like it sticks him to the wall and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the vacuum appears. And then at one the point... The Suck-a-Lux. Yes, <laughs> and then everything that's that's Acme brand in yes. there, of course. And They're then, setting up stuff for later in the yeah. movie in a cool way. And then Baby Herman, when Baby Herman climbs on top of the refrigerator, I just found it interesting that he was climbing on sliced bread that was open. Like it wasn't in a bag. It was just sliced bread. Yeah, there was also the part where apparently they keep a shelf of only heavy pots and yes, chili sauce. Yeah, and that all fell on. I mean, it's still, it was obviously for comedy, but um, um, there were just funny moments within those the, scenes. The thing, there's a couple things I want to point out here. Number one, this isn't the only Roger Rabbit short that exists now. They went on for a while. They used to have Roger Rabbit shorts before. Mm. They did a couple, they did like one where he's. It's like he's in a camp and one where he's on a roller coaster. I don't remember. You can watch them all. They're all on Disney Plus. So we should probably maybe oh, do a cool. quick mini soda. That was sometime. Um, the other thing I want to point out is I should have said this beforehand. If if you're watching, you haven't watched the movie yet. Watch for Roger's ears. Mm. The way his ears are animated are so flowy. They they wrote it. They said I wanted Roger's ears to feel like a ballet, mm. and you were watching like almost like a visual representation of how he was feeling and what was happening. And like, he's counting all those things and his ears are wrapping up and like 
his well, ears... even when he goes to be forced into the dip in the bar with Dolores towards mm-hmm. the beginning, like his ears are almost like hands. They stop him from going yeah, in yeah. like they're holding on to the barrel. So the the third thing I want to say real quick is to me, what really kind of it's funny because it didn't really take me out of this scene. But the only thing I think that kept this short from looking like a perfect cheap cartoon is how good it looked. Yes. Like the fact that it looked like it was so well animated like a movie mm-hmm. almost made me go, well, this doesn't look like a really, you know, cheap, quick cartoon because they obviously put way more money into it. But it's it's beautiful. Like the the tone is right. Like you said, it feels like one of those old kind of Tex Avery or, or Tom and Jerry type cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. Uh, and when, so as Ryan mentioned, when they call cut, it reveals that Roger can't make stars appear. He made birds appear when the refrigerator falls on him. And then this is when we hear the real voice of baby Herman. We hear he is like a cigar chain smoking, um, adult man. Which I think is a funny bit. Yes. And so, uh... We then go to Eddie, who shows up in uh, Mr. Maroon's office, and Eddie is the P.I. Valent. Valent? Valiant. Valiant. And basically, Maroon hires him to figure out uh, who Jessica Rabbit is messing around with, and Jessica Rabbit is Roger Rabbit's wife, right? They're married or they're not they married? They are married. Um, That's why her last name's Rabbit. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, her, her, it's, not her, it's not her maiden name. Uh, yeah, good point. Uh, so basically, that's kind of how the story sets up is he's supposed to investigate. He doesn't really want to because it's a tune, but he's got a problem with tunes, but we don't really know. We why don't know yet. why yet. And we also see that he definitely needs the money because there's a whole scene of him like negotiating and trying to get as much money as possible. From he's also later tries to use a check to get on the, 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 the thing trolley. I like about the, the yeah, <laughs> yeah, the tightness of this movie is everything adds later. You're introducing the trolley, which becomes it gets bought out later, and it's mm-hmm. to the bigger part of the mm-hmm. plot. Uh, he doesn't like tunes. We don't know why yet. Like Roger can't see stars. It's like performance anxiety. Well, his wife. There's rumors that she's Messing patty around. caking around yeah. with other people. So then, um, this is where there's some cameos, but mm-hmm. I like the bit where we see all the brooms from Fantasia because Maroon makes a point to say. Dumbo's on loan and half of the cast from Fantasia is on loan to him from Disney. And so we see Dumbo flying in the window and then we cut to the Fantasia brooms and there's a dude playing the saxophone and he's playing like a jazzy theme to the Sorcerer's Apprentice, Apprentice, which I thought was really fun. So here's my list there. So we got Dumbo and then when Dumbo flies away and someone spills like a bunch of instruments and they start playing... Bill the Lizard from Alice in Wonderland. Yes. We love Bill the Lizard. Bill, who's recently oh. appeared in in uh, Great Mouse Detective, yes. walks by. With his ladder. Yeah. And then we see, as he walks out, there's a bunch of... He, he runs by an ostrich for Fantasia. Mm-hmm. He sees the brooms. There's a bunch of cows who seem to be, like, rehearsing their lines, but they're all going, moo, 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 and, like, trying out moos. Well, and that's, um, like, cl- a cattle call, which is the play on, like, when they have auditions oh, for... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like oh a gosh, great visual so pun. Brilliant. They just throw it in. Yeah. yeah. Um, he sees Clarabelle's in there. As long as I also think Fer, uh, Ferdinand the the bull is in there. Um, and then there's Maleficent's goons, kind of like mm-hmm. edged by him. Maybe they're not Maleficent's goons because because we don't see. When do we see Sleeping Beauty's not out for a while? They might there's have been because of... there was a one of those silly symphonies where 
there's two. There's one where Pluto gets dragged to hell. There's all the like devil cats. Yes. But there's an we older one, that one for, about like uh, Demeter episode. going down with Hades, and there's all these weird. It looked like those yeah, guys. Yeah, we don't yeah. really. Yeah, we don't really Maybe see too Maleficent. much of them as you much see, as we yeah. see their their props. Yeah. yeah. And the only reason I'm saying that is because they do such a good job in this movie of like establishing a time frame, and they there don't seem to be. They don't waver from it. Yeah, they're yeah. they're not like introducing like out of you know anachronistic uh, animals. As he's walking out, we also see there's a lot of Song of the South stuff in here. Which I never noticed before. Yeah. But there's Brer Bear and there's the Dodo from, if you remember, like Porky Pig goes to Dodo Land mm-hmm. and uh, Warner Brothers. There's also a clown that keeps showing up that looks like uh, Bozo the Clown. I'm shocked yeah. you haven't mentioned is. the other Fantasia character. Oh, the hippo walks. Yeah, by. and the hippo's name. Do you know the hippo's name? No, you know because I know you just got her as I a got pop her as vinyl. a pop vinyl. She just they just came out with a pop vinyl of her. She's Hyacinth the hippo. Okay, which that's I funny. Think was funny. But she, I like she has a line. She like bumps into it. She's like, "Oh, excuse me." She yeah, a, and she like goes to wait for the bus or whatever. Yeah. So he hitches the ride back on the red trolley after like he's walking through the whole studio set, and this is where he tries to pay for the trolley with a check, with a, check. With a fifty dollar check from Maroon, and the guy's like, "No." Yeah, what's this look like a bank? Yeah. So then he hitches on the back with these kids, and these kids make a joke about like you don't have a car, and he's like, "Why would I need a car in L.A.?" We like, have the best transportation, yeah. public transportation, which is way funnier having gone to L.A. in the last few years. Yes, and then he leaves the trolley and says goodbye to the kids and thanks them for the cigarettes and these kids are like what eight and ten maybe 12 and and they've given them cigarettes yeah i mean it's funny for the time period and again i like this more in a pg-13 movie than i like seeing it in like a pg thing yeah um the other thing is i think there's this kind of weird class system like thread throughout of like you know, the kind of downtrodden people and people being like, you know, things are rough right now. Like the people in the bar and, and Eddie kind of, and then this like delightful tramp thing where he's, I think it sets it up like later when the guy won't, even though he really needs money, won't tell Judge Doom because Judge Doom's a judge. And he's like, no, you're not one of us. And yeah. I feel like you start seeing that here with Eddie, like, because not only does he hop on the back with a kid, there's a kid who can't make it. Eddie like grabs him and puts him on there. Like yeah. he's helping everybody. It's like everybody's, in this together. I don't know. I, I, mm-hmm. I like that rewatching yeah. it. Well, and then we walk into Dolores and at first I just thought she's the bartender, but she owns the bar, right? Like they went into business together. Cause when you're looking at all the photos on Eddie's desk, it shows like Dolores and the Valiant brothers go into business together. So she, she also show- makes reference to her boss coming to check the till. Yeah. So and I that's thought why they, I was confused. maybe she went in on their detective agency. Like she was a part owner. Oh, in that, okay. Maybe but- that, maybe that's it. Yeah. Cause well, I was confused. Cause she mentions his mentions the boss like here in this scene. But then when we see pictures, it's like her and them at the bar. And yeah. so I think they're just all very close. Like, he, but there's she something, was close there's something written that says they're in business together in maybe. some way, but Maybe also, I could also see a thing where she definitely got hired as, like, because private eyes have, like, the secretaries, and now that it's all gone under, she had to get a job at a bar. That might be true. Yeah, maybe that's how it worked out. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm sure it might be more descriptive if you stop and, like, look at each one of those uh, Not Not a character in the book, so. I love her. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah, she's She's great. She's great. Um, and so we find out that he has a tab running with her. And this is when she mentions, you know, my boss checks. Well, it sounds like more than a tab. It sounds like he borrowed money, and she, like... From her, like, unknowing 
Yeah, whatever. She gave her money from the bar, whether it was for drinks or otherwise. Yeah, and he was going to pay her 50, and she's like, where's the rest of it? So you can tell that he negotiated up with Maroon to pay her back. Mm -hmm. Like, that's essentially why. And when the mailman comes, he, like, throws all the bills in the trash. So you know, like, he's not doing super great between that and owing her a bunch of money. Um, And then we find out that they had a thing. We find out that they are romantically involved, were romantically involved, because they mentioned Catalina. And how that was such a long yeah. time ago. So we kind of like see a little bit of that there. Uh, and then he, then we notice he's drinking what's left on the bar. So half, like literally anytime anyone leaves something, he's like grabbing a couple yeah, sips Yeah, that's what he's drinking. We find out that everybody's kind of making fun of him for being hired to work for a tune. And he gets like outrageously angry, like more so than he should over that comment. And then that's when we find out from Dolores that a tune killed his brother dropped a piano on his head and we hear more about the story from eddie later but now we know why he doesn't like tunes so then he goes to like this speakeasy bar where the password is walt sent me and we (laughs) all agreed that we would love to have this bar somewhere in disney world or in disney springs or just somewhere like within the vicinity of the parks it would be really cool to have a speakeasy where you need to use the password and we're Ryan, my Ryan mentioned like having the the octopus animatronic behind the bar. Not, not an animatronic. Well, I, I said this when they do. They have an octopus who's running the bar, and it's all marionette stuff. In the movie, in I'm the saying movie. for the like, if you were to do a bar, but that, that was very specific because a lot of times when you're seeing Baby Herman smoking a cigar, you're seeing Roger smash plates on his head. That's they make very simple animatronics that just do one thing, and then they paint it over it. Mm. They didn't want to do that with that octopus because they wanted him to have the wavy arms, and they couldn't make something like. Like that so it's funny because after that they apparently go well these anima this marionette guy he's like i was only hired to do this i ended up doing this and this and like doing they started building sets to do all those sorts of things with uh marionettes that's cool uh so the next cameo is daffy and donald duck and they're doing dueling pianos and i love the whole bit with them it's really funny them playing back and forth and everything I, that happens i believe this is called hungarian rhapsody by Franz List, is that correct? Were you shaking your head, Ryan? Yes, yeah, that's, yes. I think that's right. And I've heard this in other cartoons, and I just, I this is probably my favorite. Yeah. Spoiler alert, this might be my favorite musical number. Oh, yeah, it's a really good one. Because Donald's yelling at him, Daffy's like, can anyone understand what this duck is saying? Yeah, it's. A, and you made a point, too, that Daffy looks like the older version of Daffy, not the version of Daffy that would have existed in 1988. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so All that- the Warner Brothers cartoons look like older versions yeah and so then this is where we meet marvin acme and he's got the best plaid suit top to bottom and we find out like he loves to do gags and he does invisible ink on eddie he's got the buzzer on his hand and like all of this stuff uh this is also the penguins are servers in the bar mary the poppins penguins from penguins. mary poppins uh eddie makes it very clear when he orders a scotch he wants it on the rocks and that's ice and still they bring it to him with a giant rock in the scotch glass which i thought was funny can i can I say, I, I remember when I was a kid, I thought like Marvin Acme and the idea of Acme was so cool. Rewatch it now. Marvin Acme sucks. <laughs> like he pulls a prank on a guy who walks just by him and is like, take it easy, buddy. Like what you think was going to happen? And then he's there to cr- commit adultery with, even though it's tune adultery, which is ridiculous. Like, yeah, he's like, boo that character. I'm not sad he died at all. I'll say it right now. Yeah, he, I don't know, he's an interesting character. I think you probably liked him as a kid because of all the gags. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, He he definitely lives up to, uh, like, elementary school ideals 
of what a successful business guy would be and not like actual grown up how I want to be in society. That's a good point. Yeah. And then this is where we meet Betty Boop. And Betty Boop comes in and her and Eddie kind of talk and. Betty Boop was apparently I've read somewhere a hard get because she doesn't belong to Warner Brothers. She does. She's like her. She has a very specific like. Not a company owns her like a comp like a company owns her, but it's they own Betty Boop. They don't own a lot of yeah. other stuff, and that's you know apparently she was a hard get because she couldn't she didn't come wrapped up with a lot of other people. Like well, and she's the voice, yes, from Christmas Vacation. That's her actual original voice, and that, they made a big deal of that here. But it's yeah, it's the grandma, the blasting. It's, yeah, it's, it's her. Uh, well, not grandma, aren't they? Uh, the aunt, the like aunt. the great that's aunt, right. or yeah, something. the great aunt. So then, when the one we... who wraps up the cat, yes, yeah. right in the Jello, yeah, the Jello mold and stuff. This uh, one's leaking, Clark. <laughs> but so then we see Jessica Rabbit, and her entrance is so good. Like that whole scene of her is so good. And you mentioned the dress and it being so sparkly. Mm-hmm. The dress isn't sparkly anywhere else. Like no, that. it's just red. Like that it's was, just yeah. that scene because like she's performing and the spotlight's on her. But it's so good. I I want to ask you some questions about Jessica real quick because. To me, she's such a sex symbol that it's interesting to me that I feel like, and I, you're not speaking for all women. Thank you. I was going to say that yes. off the bat. But I but. feel like a lot of women like really like this character, and I'm sure it's not because she's like, oh, what do you like about her, Tara? Well, she's top heavy and has legs that go all the way up. Like. <laughs> I like, mean, what no, is well, because I think was thinking about, so... like, I would love to cosplay as her, but, like... I, I would could... love for you to cosplay as her. <laughs> um, I could never... Is this <laughs> an option? <laughs> sniff, sniff, cut this out of the podcast. Um, no, uh, I think for me, and again, I don't speak for all women, and I can see why a lot of people might have issues with Jessica Rabbit as well, because mm-hmm. she has what a lot of people have issues with with Barbie. Like, Barbie is not, like, physically attainable, I would say, like, Jessica Rabbit, like, I could cosplay as her, but I will never, ever be able to get my waist that small, no matter how much I cinch it with, like, a corset. Like, that's just not physically possible, right? But... You can't you can't get a seven-inch waist? I don't understand. Yeah, but um, I'll break a few I've of got, my ribs. I've got coffee mugs that are bigger around yeah, than her waist. But what I will say is I do like her energy, and I like that she appears as something, but she's something else. And I like that she truly does care for Roger, and it's like... Yeah. You you learn, I think over time you learn to really like her. I have this memory of always liking her, but I don't know if that was the case the first time I watched it. Because if you watch it for the first time, she is kind of put up to be the bad guy, right? Like yeah. when he's taking the pictures and all of those things. And even when she's in the alley, he thinks she's shooting at him and she's saving his life right, from right, doom right. when they're in Toontown. I just think she's kind of a riff on that classic film noir femme fatale you know where yes. but she doesn't turn but, out to be the but bad then she guy, turns yeah is... they turn it which is really nice they spin it which i think is really great yeah. and i like i think she has a strong energy and a strong presence and some of that is her the sexualization of her she is very sexualized but i also think it's she's willing to do whatever it takes for the person she cares about. Like, I think Mm -hmm. in the end, like, that's what you find out. And you find out that she likes him so much because he makes her laugh. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that line. Yeah. So, I The thing I kept thinking was, uh, I know she's not a villain, but that's a lot of cape drama. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Her hair hair is her cape drama, I feel like, (laughs) too. There's got to be... 
there's got to be like drag queens who dresses. Oh, I'm sure. I was just, I mean, it was another thing we talked about cosplay. I feel like I've known a lot of uh, women in my life that like don't really like dress up sexy except for one thing. And that one thing is like the one Halloween they're like, I'm Jessica Rabbit. I just thought that was such an interesting like. Point. I think it and could I, be again, maybe, you're not speaking for them. No, but. I'm not. But it could also it could maybe be empowering because yeah. she's more than just a pretty face, right? So you're dressing as her, yeah. and she, it's very empowering. She's a strong presence. She is also very beautiful. I mean, she controls that room full of idiot men. Yeah, it's like she's not. She's in control of that room. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. I just wanted to talk about that. A little no. Bit. Yeah. And I mean, again, I I'm sure there are other opinions out there. I I don't want to like speak for everyone, but that's kind of how I gravitate to. Her I, as I a don't want to ask our audience to post their you know Jessica Rabbit pictures. That feels a little sleazy. <laughs> However, like like if you've oh, cosplayed, yeah, yeah. Cosplayed but if you, if you honestly, have, if you've let us, cosplayed if you want to, anyone that's fine. in Disney, yeah, we'd but love to see them. But let us know, like. If you're if you're a lady out there, let us know if you like Jessica Rabbit or not and why. Yeah, because I'm sure there's the other side of that yeah. coin as well. And I would understand that. I just don't have those feelings towards her. Again, Do you get what I, I'm saying? Yes. I was again, I was seven when I saw this and it awakened something in me. So I have a completely <laughs> different view on Obviously. Her. Um, um we also talked about here when she goes up to Acme with the handkerchief. I don't know if it's a handkerchief or a napkin, but whatever it is, when she rubs it on his head. And both of you guys were like, I have no idea how they did that. I'd love to see that one. Yeah, it was animation. so articulated and the from where she grabs it and moves it around, like I guess it could have been like a animatronic thing, but it just it was so smooth. It's another just kind of moment where I didn't notice it for years because it just looked like it happened for real. And then when you think well, about it, it has yeah. to be a thing. I've, it breaks my brain. It could just be someone they like reach up behind him and do it, but they're hidden. But you don't think that because you're like, well, how would Jessica? Wouldn't they be in the way of Jessica? And then you're like, right. oh, she doesn't exist. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so. <laughs> And I think that's a testament to this movie. And yes. I have that in my notes several times. Like, it was so seamless or, you know, it looks so good here because of whatever. And you see that throughout the whole film. The minute I stopped actively thinking they're not on screen together, that's the second I started just going, oh, he's right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I had to actively mm-hmm. be going, this isn't really happening. This is really yeah. happening. That's the only way I could get around it. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to Acme's in the dressing, the dressing room with Jessica Rabbit and he's brought her flowers and Eddie is like kind of peering through the doorknob and this is where the bouncer and I don't know, is the bouncer a character that we know or he's just an animated from, goon guy? I think he's from this. Like I okay. think this is where he's from. Uh, and he winds up kicking Eddie out for snooping and then he snoops at like the world's highest window. That window is so high up for him. <laughs> He has to, like, jump super high. Eddie's very short. I guess that's true, too. And he realizes that they're playing patty cake together. And there's obviously the innuendo here, because when you hear them playing patty cake, it sounds like I they're doing... I don't want to tonight. I have a headache. Yes, and then she's like, oh, and, you know, and there's all this stuff. And then when you see the pictures, you find out they actually were playing the game patty cake. So mm. that was what they were doing, but it's definitely they want you to insinuate it's something else. So they show the pictures to Roger and he is sobbing in Maroon's office and he like can't believe that she played patty cake and he's just going crazy over it. Somebody must have made her do it. Yeah. And so then he drinks alcohol and when he drinks alcohol, we find out he like freaks out. He changes colors. The smoke comes out of his eyes. Like he goes wild. And there are a lot of scenes like this that I didn't write down a bunch of details because you really just need to watch the movie. Like if you've never seen it, if you haven't seen it in a while, 
it's worth it to just go rewatch it. Um, but I love that when all of that ends after Roger has like gotten that all out of his system and thanks Maroon for the drink, Eddie's like wet. Like Eddie's like almost drenched <laughs> from like I guess the bottles breaking and he's everything. holding the other. The, oh, the that's canter right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I just liked that. Um, and then this is when Roger leaves through the blinds, which is a very famous scene of his silhouette cut out through the blinds and the glass. That's in the prop culture episode. They go and they find that, and the guy and they talk like, about how, how did you do this? And they talk about how they yeah. did it and stuff. So again, we'll check out that episode. Uh, and then it cuts back to Eddie looking at pictures he developed uh, from the camera because Dolores had mentioned the film in the camera is from when they went to Catalina. So yeah. there was still film in there. And so we see Dolores and Eddie together. We see Eddie with his brother. And then we find out that they're Eddie and Teddy. Uh, <laughs> that that's their names. And this is where we see the newspaper clippings and we see the photographs that I was Huey, mentioning earlier. Huey, Dewey, and Louie are kidnapped and Eddie and Teddy help them. Something with Mickey Mouse. I missed that. Something it. with Goofy, too. Goofy was cleared of spy charges. Yeah. Which yeah. I love the idea of like this, this like <laughs> communist scare, but it's Goofy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So a lot of those news articles are super fun. And uh, then that's when he finds out that the rabbit cacked. Is that what the cop says? The lieutenant says something. Cacked. Cacked, It's yeah. just some of these words I've never heard before. It's got to be like film noir. Yeah, like the uh, rabbit cacked him last cacked night. Cacked Acme what? last night. <laughs> uh, and dropped a safe on Acme's head. And then I wrote Yosemite Sam. So he appears somewhere here. When they go to a- Acme, you realize Acme's like at the border of Toontown. And oh, then like that's behind right. Him is is that sun singing is in this, the background? Is, is just, uh, can you imagine living near that? Just like... <laughs> It'd be like living near a neon light all the time, a neon sign. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Yosemite Sam comes over. I always remember this scene. He comes flying over, his butt's on fire. He's like, my biscuits are burning. And he yeah. like sits in a puddle. And uh, and then this is where we see, we go to the crime scene. There's a chalk outline of Acme with the safe on the ground. And Jessica's up in the office getting interviewed by the police. Mm-hmm. And then we see some of the like things in the Acme boxes. So this is where you see the portable black holes that they just throw up on the wall. Uh, and the cops are making fun of Eddie. Oh, yeah. And... Didn't she used to be Eddie Valiant, or did you change your name to Jack Daniels? I don't remember until this thing that, like, Eddie's drinking was such a huge, like, it's a very I don't know big why focus I focus and a very big problem yeah. for him. Yeah. And I forgot there's a... There's a turn later where he overcomes it. Yeah. I've completely forgotten. But um, So they're all making fun of him. And then Jessica Rabbit slaps him on her way out because he was the one who showed Roger the pictures. And so she's like kind of upset with him. So yeah. she winds up leaving. And then this is where we see more of the props where all those shoes fall out. I love that it's just random Acme shoes and they're all like running around and they have to catch them all. Uh, and then th- that's when they're... Ac- they're moving Acme's body yes. and his joy buzzer falls out. And Eddie looks like... I remember when I was a kid, I think... I don't think I... I, I thought he was trying to steal it to, like, hawk it. I think he was more <laughs> trying to inspect it. And I think he might have... I mean, that's not a bad... I th- yeah, because I money, thought he was... But... Yeah, I thought he was kind of a jerk. I, di- I didn't think, like, oh, he might be like, I'm going to grab some evidence or well, whatever. And again, yeah. I think it's kind of like the... One more of those classic noir detective things that they turn on their head a little bit. Like the guy finds the one piece of evidence from the crime scene everyone o- overlooks. But mm-hmm. instead yeah. of it being really that, he's picking it up and he gets busted for it. And it's just a joy. And it's it. not yeah, it's it's not like important nothing. at all. <laughs> yeah. And the person who busts him is Judge Doom. And now, how, what do we all think of Judge Doom as a villain? I love Judge Ooh, Doom. Yeah. He's Big wildly fan. horrifying. I, I really like him a lot. 
Uh, as I mentioned, he's included in the villains book, which I was really happy to what see gonna that. Say, what were you going to say, Ryan? So I don't know if we want to dive into this right now, but like Christopher Lloyd as the villain is awesome. Christopher Lloyd is like an amazing time right now when he's making this movie. And we're going to come back to him later when you guys do DuckTales, the movie, because he's, oh, yeah. he's yeah. the he's villain the in that. Guy, he's like a weird wizard guy. But in this, so he makes, uh, what was it? He makes the Star Trek three. He's like a Klingon villain. Yes. And then he goes and he's Clue and he's a creepy professor. And then he's in Back to the Future right after that. And then he's in this. He does some other side things. But like he, he's jumping around in all these like weird, weird different roles. It's fascinating. He's, he's kind of a, he's a character actor, but he's having these huge roles at this time. Like, And he they're so off, drastically different from one another. Yeah. yeah. He started off, he's like, he was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Taxi. Mm-hmm. And then like the 80s, they were just like, need a weird guy? Get christopher lloyd and even this he's got the fake teeth and he i'm sure and let's talk about uncle fester well uncle oh yeah Fester's in the 90s but yeah I know, that was also I'm another one where it's like he doesn't look anything like uncle fester and now when i think of uncle fester i think you of him. think of him yeah <laughs> but yeah uh, but no i absolutely love him and he winds up calling eddie out for removing the evidence and then this is where the weasels show up and uh the weasels are something yeah, I, I like the weasels too. I, I do, but you've got a character that's like oh no, you're right, a problematic yeah. like mental health character. Oh a yeah, there's problematic, a problematic. There's yeah, a guy the who's smoking, the... chain smoking, yes, yeah. and then there's the one who's like I think his character trait is Hispanic. Oh, uh, <laughs> like, and then the one that's kind of like with the club. Well, he's just stupid yeah i I, I hate to say that word to describe it that way but i don't know how else to describe him but i think making them all all... the edgy versions of cartoons at the time made sense because they're they're rotten yeah they're they're, they're all the like edgy cartoons that have gotten together Mm -hmm. and been giving this like corrupt cop job is is great yeah uh and this is when um Ryan noticed the makeup line on Judge Doom, which I thought was a really interesting choice that it does look like he's wearing a mask and we find out later that yeah. he is. And so it's a it's a just a very small detail that I think is really cool that they thought about. I just feel like if you rewatch him under the lens that you know he's a tune in disguise, spoiler alert, like <laughs> every time he turns it's like mm, like it's all yeah. like that all informed that performance, mm-hmm. and it's so obvious. Yeah. Like, there's times when he gets really, like, later when he's like, it was me, and you'll never get me, and he kind of starts going towards his tune voice, but mm-hmm. never quite gets there, yeah. like, and why he knows everything about tunes, like, mm-hmm. it's interesting. As and- they talk later about how did Judge Doom become the judge of Toontown, he's like, oh, he spread all these simoleons around town, and yeah. then when they're talking about the guy they're chasing, he's like, he got a zillion simoleons from the... First bank of two. Like, everything connects in a yes. way I never really noticed before on this. Yeah. When they're talking about how his brother died. Yeah. yeah. And who they were chasing. Uh, so this is where we find the shoe that's, like, just nuzzling up to Judge Doom's foot. And it's, like, squeaky and cute and smiley. And he takes the shoe. And this is the part I was talking about earlier. And drops him into the dip. And that scene is so horrifying. Did you see the eyes on that tune? And how sad? That shoe looked when it got dipped into that into those chemicals. It was awful. And then the smoke that surrounds Doom's face, that shot, when it's like him in like all the smoke from the acid, I thought was a really cool shot. But yeah, very I couldn't horrifying. believe how I remember that scene terrified me as a kid, but like watching it now, like that poor little shoe just like wanted to nuzzle with him and like be his friend and like just straight up in a room full of people gets 
slowly burned to death. Like it's it's a yeah, really and everyone just watches. Yeah. yeah, it's awful. Oh. It's so sad. Um, and so then we cut to uh, Eddie going back to his PI, where his location, basically where he sleeps. I mean, it's his apartment as well as like his investigation office. And we see like this woman bending over a baby carriage and she starts a lighter and Eddie like runs to attack her. Like, what is she doing? And you realize she's lighting the cigar for baby Herman. So that's just another like fun bit. But baby Herman is insisting that Roger couldn't have killed him um, and talks about how there's no way Acme wouldn't have a will. Acme always said that he had a will and he was leaving Toontown to the tunes. And so that's like the whole mystery here is what happened to his will and like who benefits from getting his will or making it known that there is no will essentially. So I was looking up, I remember reading somewhere. I always wondered like, like there's this tune that murders people. Where is he from? Like what was he before he was judged doom? Apparently in a non-canonical uh, graphic novel he was known as uh, Baron Von Rotten and he was like some essentially like there's rumors he like was on the side of the Nazis during the war and stuff oh, like wow. he was a bad guy but but that's that's great whatever what I did find was some trivia for some other people who were considered and were almost cast as Judge Doom Tim Curry edition for the oh role. I read about that oh. and they said his performance was so frightening they didn't want to use yes. him wow. yeah John, I did read about that John Cleese expressed interest and they said no one's going to take you seriously mm-hmm. here is the giant list of other people here's here's someone who auditioned but was turned down Christopher Lee uh, from Lord of the Rings and mm. from eight other million things uh, here's the other list Roddy McDowell Robin Williams wow Sting. Sting. John Lithgow, <laughs> Willem Dafoe, John Malkovich, Tim Robbins, Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Richard Gere, Gene Hackman, Brad Garrett. Wow. Like it's like Michael Richards, who's Kramer. Like it's so all over the board. But of, like, you also got to think they were all young, and they're probably well, like some of them were probably interested in the role, but then some of them, I wonder if it was just like their agent was like sending them out. This on the was call. considered to. Oh, play. So, so these are ones that they about. wanted to. Okay. Uh, some people near the end though were uh, Dennis Hopper, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Jeff Goldblum were all considered. Huh. I I can't imagine someone doing a better job. I think I agree with the idea that Tim Curry would have been. Too, too far. And Robin Williams, I understand why he was in the running for sure. Well, this is also, but... I think, before, like, he later in his life wanted to do a lot of darker roles, and I think this is before that, so that's yeah. why he wasn't being considered, but probably the want was still there. Was still there. Yeah, that's crazy. Sorry, I was looking that up. I was looking no, at Baron fine. Von Rotten. That's why I kind of went away. I also, my mind wanted to disappear when you guys were talking about the shoe death. Oh yeah, <laughs> you don't want to relive it. Yeah, it was sad. Uh, so then he, we cut to uh, him looking at the newspaper, and that's where you pointed out there's an old version of how Jessica was animated. Yes, she's much softer in that animation. I feel like well, she's, she's got a nose. Yeah, that she yeah. doesn't really have much of a nose. In, yeah, in the well, movie. and you don't really ever see like you see her full face, but a lot of times her hair covers up half of her yeah. face anyway. Um, and then he sees in the picture that. Acme has a will in his pocket. And my thought was, who carries their will around with them in their jacket This is a pocket? man who, listen, this is a man who wears a plaid suit and like makes joy buzzers I guess he's dealing with all the time, so yeah. maybe he thinks at any moment he could die because he's like doing I, like outrageous things. I feel like, yeah, if they did a like behind the scenes, like the history of Marvin Acme, he was a human who wanted, always had wanted to be a tune. And like lived yeah. on the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess so. 
Uh, but then he goes to sleep in his Murphy bed, which it looks like a bunch of file uh, file cabinet drawers. And he pulls that down and goes to sleep. Did, but Did we talk about the history of the Murphy bed in this podcast or was it on Craniacs? I think that was on Craniacs. Real quick, the Murphy bed is an... I just love this story. The Murphy bed was embedded by a guy who had a very small apartment who wanted to invite women over to his apartment but you can't have women in your bedroom in an apartment but his he only had one room so they wouldn't let him over so he goes well i don't have a bed in there and it was so he invented this thing he wanted to invite an opera singer over <laughs> like this is a story we did in crane i just sorry check out crane i love it I random piece of trivia <laughs> that you'll forever know about and, and, murphy bed yeah and every time i see a murphy bed i'm like did you like it's i'm gonna be yeah. insufferable anytime i see a murphy bed uh-huh. um <laughs> So we see like that somebody is under the sheets and we can't tell who it is at first. And then we see it's Roger. And so Roger talks about how he didn't kill Acme. He went over to Jessica's dressing room. He wrote her this love letter and he wrote it with lipstick and it was on paper, but it was a blank piece of paper. And it was really weird that I guess it was Acme who just gave him this blank piece of paper, but he used it. Oh no, he just, he just found it. He later, found it. Okay. Later you find out remember. Jessica goes, he supposedly gave me his will and testament, but, but it, was it was just a blank, a blank piece, piece of, paper. of paper. Thank you. I can remember it, that connection. We've really, like, the way we've positioned it, have put those dots together real easily. But later in the movie, it happened so fast, I think yeah. you don't necessarily know. Yeah, what, I kind of forgot yeah. that connection. Um, and so Roger's flipping through a scrapbook, and he's like, you helped all of these tunes. And where's your brother? He was a sensitive and sober fellow. And I love Roger's face when he says sober fellow and, sober fellow. Yeah, and looks at him. <laughs> uh, it was such a good face. Uh, and so then, um, where he's Roger hides in the closet because I guess Eddie gets he angry, gets upset. Right? He looks like he's leaving, but he's yeah. le- he goes in the closet. Like, That's the closet. Yeah, and Roger like storms off, but storms into the closet, and then he cuffs them together. I think that was a Dick Tracy reference. Mm-hmm. When did Dick Tracy came out? Somewhere like in the next few years, they had to be working on it at this time. Oh, the Dick Tracy movie. Yeah, 90, I think it was around here. The latest. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that was a Dick, his, his square jaw had to be a Dick Tracy reference. Yeah. He cuffs uh, Eddie, and then Eddie is like yelling at him, like, I don't have the keys to this cuffs. And then they hear that the Tomb Patrol is coming, the and weasels. he's got to figure out a way to hide him. And Dick Tracy was 1990. So. Okay, so they're yeah. definitely yeah. working on it this time. Um. So yeah, the Tomb Patrol shows up. I gotta find it in my notes. Here. The two patrol shows up. There they break go. in yeah. and they ro- shoot. I like that they. Sorry, they shoot the doorknob out in a perfect square, and just the doorknob pops out. Yes. I just thought that was funny. And you mentioned that they have all real guns, and that was another. That's marionette. all marionettes. So if you watch that scene, you just see these guns with strings, kind of, and it's it works because it works they're well, floaty. Because like yeah. the, you the know, weasels the are weasels very move flowy. like that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love the whole bit here where Eddie is washing laundry and we find out that Roger is just under the water in the suds. And so this is a whole like gimmick trying to hide him while the weasels are looking around the apartment. That's a scene I always remember when they were showing the making of. They showed that scene mm-hmm. because without the animation, it's just him miming stuff and then it shoots water out at certain points. Yeah. But... And then one of the weasels says, bullshtick. Yes. Yeah, I just, it's just another like phrase that I feel like. Yeah, that that Sergeant Weasel, that Sergeant Weasel keeps just like like his whole shtick is just mispronouncing things or like putting the wrong word in somewhere, which I I don't think I quite caught as much before. But watching it with the captions, (laughs) yeah, yeah, watching it with the captions, I thought was actually yeah, you could pick up on a couple other things. But this is the first time we pick up like the weasels all start laughing at something, they have a hard time stopping, and they're like, "You gotta, you gotta stop laughing," and they all. Like, there's something big with it. They, they kind laugh. of keep each other in check about, like, yeah. the laughing bit. Um, 
And then they leave, and he now has Roger under his trench coat. And so Roger's trying to get out, and so that's like a whole physical bit. And he goes into the bar, and he's screaming for Dolores. And the trolley, anytime the trolley comes by, it's like if a train comes by in an apartment mm-hmm. in a city where, like, you know, everything's rattling and everything's loud, and he screams for Dolores. And um, this is when she goes, is there a rabbit? Is that a rabbit in your pocket? Or are you happy to see me? <laughs> yeah. So that line, I feel like, is one that's quoted. And it more looks like Roger's his stomach. Like, he's very... He's like, the worst hernia yeah, of all time. Should, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just this whole bit. And then I laughed so hard. Yeah, Tara, got, the, the whole bit where he's trying to saw off the, uh, the... handcuff and then Roger, like, moves <laughs> out of it and holds the thing. Like, Tara, like, that to me is such, like, a memorable gag. But you laughed at it like you'd seen it for the first time. Yeah, I laughed so hard at when Roger just takes his hand out of the handcuff. And he's like, you could do this this whole time? He's like, yes, but I was waiting for it to be funny. Yeah. Like, it was such a good bit. Um. So that all happens, and they're in, like, this back room that's from Prohibition Times in the bar. It's, like, this little back storage room. And uh, he talks about Uncle Thumper. At this oh, he goes, too. I want you to go find out something for probate. He goes, oh, probate. My Uncle Thumper had a enlarged probate. He had, had to these drink big lots pills of lots of water. Yeah. It's a good bit. Um, and so... Probably something I didn't get when I was a kid either. Yeah, and it's quick. It goes by quick, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So he thinks Maroon killed Acme and framed Roger. That's like where he's thinking yes. at the moment, Eddie. And that's what he's explaining to Dolores, why she's got to go to probate and like see if she can find the will and all those things. And she he leaves Roger with Dolores so he can like go back, I guess, oh, yeah, go back yeah, up okay. to the office. Well, okay, so there's a deleted scene here where he goes back to Jessica's room and gets caught by uh, Judge Doom and Jessica and everything, and the weasels take him back to Toontown overnight and torture him. Oh. And the way they torture him is they paint a big pig head on his head. So he comes out, he's got a cartoon pig head, and he's like, I've been tuned or something. Yeah. And so he goes back to his apartment, and he washes it off with turpentine. And it was actually... The director, uh, Zemeckis, was like, it was sucked because that was the first piece of animation we put on with live action. Because you see, like, this tune head go down the drain. It's a cool piece of animation. You can see it on Disney+. Plus. It's actually there. Oh, cool. Um, and then and then the next scene is Jessica comes in, and he's... That's and he's why still he's, washing up. That's why he's taking a shower. They added a toilet... Fl- he goes, the only thing we do is add a toilet flush, so maybe that's why he was in there. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's washing up. Jessica comes in. He, like, doesn't really have clothes. He's, like, half-dressed. Uh, well, he's holding his pants up, and I never, I always was like, why are you holding your pants up? It's because he wears suspenders, and he hasn't put the suspenders on yeah, yet. Yeah, so it's like, he's he's pretty disheveled here, and she says, I was blackmailed by Maroon to take the patty cake photos. I, I do, I think we'll be remiss if we don't spend a few minutes talking about uh, how hairy Bob Hoskins' back is. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I feel like you focus on that because Frazier's also very hairy. Uh, probably, like. but that's a hairy back. <laughs> yeah. When, when you're looking uh, from behind, you... You could confuse him with Danny DeVito, I feel like. Like, there's a yes. there's oh, a Venn diagram yeah. overlap there. I think so, yes. Very much so. Um, and I love when Dolores comes in and she's, like, super... Oh, she's like, dabbling in watercolors? Yes. Which is I wrote that good... down. It's such a good uh, comment. And he, like, looks down at his box because he sees, like, his boxers have are fallen. Yeah, yeah, his pants have fallen. And I always remembered the kiss that, like, sticks to him. I love that bit where she blows the kiss at him and it, like, floats and then, like, sticks to his face. Did you guys listen to her theme there? Her music? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, all improv jazz? Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh, and... Ryan, you notice something with the clover leaf shape here. 
Yeah, so the Cloverleaf is kind of in the background taking over stuff, and you see their their logo is the uh, the the highway exit turnstiles, like all like the the like multi direction on ramp and off ramp, oh, yeah, off -ramp mm -hmm. which. You know, spoiler towards the end of the movie, find out that's the whole thing behind Cloverleaf is there when they have exits to the highway to build their business. Mm -hmm. So it's like a little embedded bit of design that I never noticed before. Till we were talking about it, because why Cloverleaf? This, like, oh. Yeah, if if you're if you're like, oh, I've already seen this, I really highly suggest you watch this movie because, like I said, following every there's the arc of there's everyone has mini arcs. Mm -hmm. Eddie has an arc about liking tunes and also having a sense of humor. He has a drinking arc. He has the, like, him and Dolores arc. Like, there's yeah. so many things going on, and they... They do it they very well. They foreshadow it. They, they, they link it together so that there's no point where you feel like... like even when I was a kid, I didn't understand everything that was going on. I still felt like I understood the movie. The main yeah. points. Yeah. Like, yeah, the beats it's of the movie. really yeah. good. Have we, uh, have we gotten to the part... I don't know if it was before this or after this, where Roger is looking through his wallet at pictures of him and Jessica... Because oh, I felt I like we... that was in Eddie's office, but there's yeah. one there's one picture where they're at a restaurant and there's all the little caricatures behind them, which is like. Oh, did you see who was in those caricatures? It looked like all the directors and producers and stuff from this movie, like in the in the back to the in the behind the scenes features, or is it the animators? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to go back. And I look. saw the characters, but yeah, I didn't really that's, get a good look at that's that. That's when he's run out of maroon and he's like kind of hanging out in the alley behind. Ashley. Okay. Okay. Maybe we yeah, I think when he was yet. going Sorry. to her dressing room. But yeah, so, we no, did not we, mention that. We, so thank yeah, we you for mentioning it when that. It happened. Uh, and that's the other thing about this film. Like, another reason to go back and watch it. We're talking about it in great detail, but there's still so much going yes. on in any given moment in the film. Um, so then it cuts to Roger performing for the bar. So he's not hiding. He's not, you know, laying low. He, that's what he does. He's an entertainer. So he's singing. He's dancing. He's making everybody laugh. Uh, and then the plates are all breaking on his head, and you said that was another animatronic. That's just they an did. arm hitting like a sp spiked piece. Yeah, of metal, no pain, so no pain. Because the, the record starts skipping, and he has to keep doing that part. <laughs> yeah, uh, and this is where he starts talking to Eddie about how a laugh can be powerful, and he yeah. kind of focuses on that and starts talking about how powerful it is to laugh. And I feel like that's another theme of the film, right? Just. Jessica Rabbit loves him for being funny. Eddie's not laughing because he's so sad. You know, I just feel like well, like laughter, laughter saves the day. At yeah, the end yeah, yeah. Um, so then Judge Doom shows back up looking for the murderer, and they they hide in that room they were in before for mm -hmm. prohibition. And Dolores has like a silent alarm, so like the light notifies them in that room that something's going on. And you realize Judge Doom's in the bar with the Tune Patrol. And then he uses the army vet sleeve to wipe off the chalkboard to say that uh, he's offering, I think it's a $5,000 reward. Was it 5000 5, or 500 I can't I remember which one. Whatever it was, it was a lot yeah. of money. And it was they a said, lot of money, especially because the French dip was 50 cents. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and then you've got the drunk who is kind of harassing and making fun of Eddie earlier, who says, I see a rabbit. And he puts his arm around an invisible rabbit and calls it Harvey, which is... Isn't we yeah, saw yeah, that yeah. play it's, about it's a movie around that yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, Stuart movie. Uh, um, the the other thing that I liked about that was Eddie saying that guy's gonna sell you out for a quarter for a nickel or something like that. Yeah, and he doesn't, and that and goes Roger, back to my whole thing of and like, Roger says I made him laugh. Like, he yeah, won't I do think that, there's some but... of that, but I also think in general it's the like we all have to stick together and we all mm -hmm. kind of, like you know there's bad guys in this, but there's 
the people who are usually doing all the bad things are like the bankers, the Cloverleaf guys, you know, Judge Doom, Maroon, people who are higher up, all the people who are like down, you know. Yeah. They really uh, uh, cast out the bar uh, with all the like quintessential downtrodden. They had like the unemployed <laughs> cowboy and like the, the little person, the dock there's... worker, but I'm a little person. There's an army vet who lost an arm. It was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah color, it is the, like, down, the downtrodden. The, the, the dude we don't like, like shows up with his like lunch pail, clearly from a construction job and he is eating like a boiled egg. <laughs> well, and the guy, the guy who like got laid off, who's like passed out. On oh, the he was table. a trolley driver. He was a trolley yeah. driver. Yeah. yeah. That was earlier in the beginning. But that's also pre-leading the like, Hey, they, they, they bought someone red bought him. Yeah. 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 So then we see doom's big white smile. His teeth are so intense, which I goes to his character, yeah. goes to him being a tune. Um, and he sees the record merry-go-round broke down and he says that that's kind of a loony song for this group of people in the yeah. bar. Uh, and this is when we hear him tell the weasels, stop laughing or you'll end up dead. So he like can- your hyena cousins. Yeah. We'll yeah. <laughs> so he continues, he continues to remind them of that. And then he taps the shave and the haircut, which is bump. But he only starts it. Yeah. And so as a music therapist, I use that rhythm a lot when I'm warming uh, folks up with the drums. Mm-hmm. I will play that rhythm and I will pause for a call and response yeah. for people to play it back. Oh, wow. And There's the- another one you can do be living where you are. Oh, the, the stars, stars at, at night. night. <laughs> yeah, are big and great deep in the heart of Texas. That is true, yes. yes. Uh, but the shave and the haircut is also one that if I give an individual a drum, sometimes a client will play that rhythm. Like, that's a, just a very, like, iconic rhythm that I think lots of people know in lots of different ways. And I think I know the rhythm from Roger Rabbit and from mm. my work with older adults. Uh, well, and the two also, bits, yeah. there's always the joke of, oh, it's much more expensive now. And like, you know, there's banter behind that too. It's, but It's also a super well-constructed scene because you as the audience are like, well, this is stupid. And then Eddie goes, well, this is stupid. You turn around, you see Roger and it like is completely working and he's trying not to do it. And he's yeah. His insane. ears are all twisted and he's trying so hard to not answer the call, like the yeah. call and response. And again, as a music therapist, it's also an interesting thing because that rhythm, like you do the call and response almost without thinking about it because it's a rhythm that you know so well, right? So mm-hmm. it's the same thing with Roger. Like, he has to finish the call and response. Like, he can't not mm-hmm. do it. Um, like, it's that it's almost the entrainment of the rhythm. So I just find that really interesting. Um, but yeah, so, spoiler, Roger finishes the two mm-hmm. bits and he does it so theatrical. He comes, like, sliding out of the wall, singing two bits. Yeah. Um, and then this is when Doom gets him and is a, they get the dip. Yes, they're going to put him yeah, in there, and Eddie right. turns to Dolores and says, "Get, get a, him a get drink a, and get make a it bourbon. A dope, give me a, make it a yeah, give me a bourbon." She's like, "Fine, time for a drink, Eddie. What do you want? A bowl of pretzels?" Yeah, <laughs> like, yes, yeah. I, I, I love her sass, but I love the solution is always something that's a cartoon thing because he tries to give it to mm-hmm. Roger, and Roger's like, "I don't want." It. He's like, "You do, you don't. You do, you don't." Yeah, you and they don't, switch the argument. Like, uh-huh. It's all stuff like that. That if you've ever like, there's stuff in here that they lead you through very well, but there's other stuff that's just like you have to have seen a cartoon to know what yeah. this is. But they're yeah. like such. I, I don't know. I just love it. So they. Yeah. He he drinks a drink. He explodes again. It starts breaking the bar. They and fight that's the when, weasels. Yeah. yeah. They dump the dip, and then um, they all leave. And when they push the dip over, you notice Judge Doom tries takes a very big hard. Step yeah. Back. Yeah. Uh, and then we see them, Eddie and Roger, run, and they get in the tune car, the tune 
Yes. The Tomb Patrol's Thank car. Thank you. I was gonna, and there's no to keys, police, but then they hear a voice right. in the back. And it's Bernie. Well, it's not Eleanor Roosevelt, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> and then, it's Bernie. It's Benny. The, Benny, excuse me. Benny, the taxi who in cab. The, Benny, who in the book is a beetle that runs a garbage dump. Oh, interesting. I don't. I, I I don't know like if what what the deal is there, but anyway. Yeah. Um. So he was locked up by the weasels, and so then for driving on a sidewalk, it was only a few miles. Yeah. Uh. And so then a car chase ensues, and I just wrote here that like it's so seamless. And again, it's another scene you have to watch. But like between the animation and the live action, I just think is really seamless here. Well, with that well a couple things chase. you need to watch the prop culture episode because they definitely they go and they find this car, and yeah. the way it was driven is. There's a driver in it in all black, like um, close to the ground, and then Eddie's up on it, but he can't. The guy can't see very well. Like it's amazing what they did, and they just draw over that it's a little four by four. Um, there's also parts where Eddie is animated, like when it goes by real quick, they just animate Eddie, mm. and he's oh. a, he's a cartoon. So then we cut to after that whole car chase, we cut to Goofy on the screen in the movie theater, and Eddie's not laughing, and. Uh, Roger calls him a sourpuss, and then Roger, well, Roger also like has such admiration. admiration for Goofy. Like Goofy's one of the <laughs> like, best, like he does real it professional. So well. Like he's so good, he's a genius yeah. at that timing. <laughs> and then that's when we find out about the detailed story about how a tune killed Eddie's brother. So he goes into the whole story. He never found out who it was, but he will always remember the burning red eyes and the laughing and the high-pitched squeaky voice. And so will you if you watch this movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Roger starts crying. He's so sad. He's like, of course you hate me. Like, if a tune did that to my brother. And he's like, no, I don't hate you. And they're kind of going back and forth about that. And then Dolores shows up saying that she's got the car all packed up. Um and he's saying she needs to find herself a good man. She's saying, I already have a good man. It's kind of that whole like back and forth when he's like, you know, I'm no good for you. You mm-hmm. should find somebody better kind of a thing. Uh, and then Roger sighs right as they're about to kiss. And he's like, don't stop on my account. Yeah. And his ears are a heart. He's got hearts in his eyes. Yeah. So they leave and they're trying to run a t- town. But and there's they a newsreel the- going in the background. Yeah. That's talking about how Cloverleaf has now bought out maroon cartoons as well and that's when like they make Eddie's a connection. Like, that's a connection mm-hmm. and then roger so eddie they go to maroon right they mm-hmm. go to the maroon studios and this is where roger's knocked out we don't know who's knocked him out but he's been knocked out he was told to kind of stay put with a card car eddie's looking for maroon and then we realize it was jessica so at this point we still don't really know that jessica's a good guy here one thing she captures roger yeah. one thing i wanted to point out too is when they do they do a rack focus on jessica and they had to figure out how to do that in a couple different scenes where the the tune was in the foreground or the background and needed to be out of focus and they were like literally putting him behind like cling wrap and stuff like that to oh, make wow. it like shooting it through something oh, to make it a little out of focus um so she captures roger and then at the same time, he starts talking about if Acme's will doesn't show up. Eddie has said he is there to, he's got the will and he's going to give it to Maroon. Yes. Maroon, he gives Maroon the uh, love letter that Roger wrote and Maroon is like, what is this? And you notice that when he gives it back to uh, Eddie, he stuffs it back in his pocket so Eddie doesn't lose it for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, they start talking about like, What's going on? And Maroon's like, Cloverleaf wanted, they, they wouldn't buy me unless they also got Acme. So we did this. They want the whole block. 
Um, and then as he's saying that, a gun comes out from behind the curtain and The Joker's him. gun from Batman yeah. 89 yeah. where he pulls out of his pants <laughs> and super long barrel. Uh-huh. Um, and so then Maroon is done. Like, Mar- Maroon's curtains at it's curtains point. from Maroon. Yeah. Uh, he gets killed, but when Eddie looks out the window, he sees Jessica running away. In her car, right? No, or she just, just running. runs down Yeah, the she's just running away. And then Eddie chases her in the car. Yeah. That's when they go in the car chase. And she drives into Toontown through the tunnel. And then this is where he's, like, preparing himself to go into Toontown. He goes to take a drink. And then this is where he dumps all the booze out. And he kind of, like, makes a promise to himself, like, unspoken promise. Well, he gets his cartoon gun. Yes, and it has cowboy bullets, but it has more than cowboy bullets. There's... There is a Native American bullet that's a little problematic, yeah. but he's it's barely in it. But uh, And it was given to him by Yosemite Sam. And it is uh, Pat... Utrum does one of the voices, I believe. Who oh, okay. One of the who was the sheriff of Nottingham, um, and then he goes. He drives into Toontown. Oh, so the, the 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 I want to point out that the uh, tunnel to Toontown has a little head shot of uh, Felix Felix the cat above it, which I uh-huh. thought was kind of cool. And that tunnel, I don't know if you'd recognize plays in uh, Back to the Future Two in a couple of years. Yes, that's the tunnel they shoot at the same it's, exact spot. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's where they where they're they're back in 1954 and they're 55 and they're they're chasing Biff. And yeah, 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 Biff's yeah. got the uh, the the oh, the sports almanac. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So then he drives. You remember that scene, Tara? Of course I do. Right. The sequel to uh, your favorite movie. Uh, so then they drive through. Uh, he drives through the tunnel, and this is that song, "Smile, Darn You Smile." Yes. Uh, with the sun singing, and uh, were there cameos here or so do you want to just ch- wait till the end the, let's wait till the end i got a lot of okay. Toontown cameos so then he takes he sees the silhouette of who he thinks is jessica spoiler who is this character lena is lena hyena but does she is she from something else or does Not she only exist of. in this movie yeah so. i think they wanted to i guess just and like is she, what is she like jessica's stunt double i want to know more about lena hyena yeah so he takes this elevator to go up to Jessica's, and again, there's a lot of like comedic bits here with the dog, who's the elevator attendant. Um, droopy dog. Droopy dog. Yeah. So there's a lot of like fun things that happen there, and he goes and he sees the silhouette, and he thinks it's Jessica, and then she moves her hair and reveals this wild face, and she is not Jessica; she's Lena. But again, we don't know anything about Lena. She, but she's like wild woman, and. Uh, he voiced fall- by uh, June Foray, who we know as Rocky from the Rocky and Bullwinkle. Also, Witch Hazel in the uh, oh. in the oh. Halloween special trick or treat. Um. So what happens? Does he run out the window because he's on that ledge? He, he runs out a, a door that says bathroom, but it says out of order. And then like when he does it, like there's nothing there. There's nothing so there. Out. So he falls and he grabs like a flagpole, and then it's Tweety Bird. And Tweety Bird's like, this little piggy went to the market. This little piggy stayed home, like, lifting each one of his fingers up. So then he keeps falling. And Mickey, this is where we meet Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny, who are also in the air with him. And they both have parachutes. And he's asking for a parachute. And Bugs Bunny says he has a spare. He gives him a spare. And it's a spare. It's an inflatable spare tire. So it's not a parachute. Uh, And then Lena follows him down on the ground, too, right? She She catches him when he lands. Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of the end of Lena. It's he, like well, it, she runs at him and he pushes her into a wall because he moves the the 
the the, the marking on yeah and she's he's a like, weird character and he's like gets a tune every time according to uh this wikipedia interview i found apparently she's also in a roger rabbit cartoon uh comic book which i remember reading uh where she is just a a longtime friend of jessica Ooh, this is gross. According to this picture, apparently she has an Adam's apple, and I don't like the implication there that they're being transphobic of some sort. Yeah. It's just, she's a gross character. I don't like her. Yeah, and I don't I don't care for it, and I think, like, he could have seen Jessica's car and gone up in the building. I don't know that you need it, the bit with her, to make it, to make yeah. him still go up to look for Roger, but uh, he winds up finding Jessica, winds up seeing right seeing jessica yeah he sees jessica in the alley yes and she's and pointing a gun his... at him that's what it is yes. yeah sorry i'm getting a little confused with my notes here yeah today. um she sees he sees her with the gun pointing at him and you think she's shooting at him but she's shooting at his shadow which you find out isn't his shadow it's doom yeah she saw doom and she's like that long gun you just saw that's the gun that killed maroon i was looking in the window this is you know I hit Roger over the head with a frying pan because I wanted to keep him safe in my trunk. I thought he'd be safer there than like just like running around. And so that's kind of how you find out that she really is a good guy. She really is on Eddie's side. Real quick, uh, in Toontown, in the drive-in, we see the reluctant dragon, three pig. There's the unfortunate tar baby from uh, Song of the South. Uh, When he gets into Toontown, Toad comes flying by. On like a uh, oh yeah, he makes a comment. I forget what it is. Like Tio, yeah, or something. something like that. Uh, Droopy is, of course, the thing. The Alice in Wonderland's doorknob is the doorknob to the bathroom. Yeah, Mickey and Bugs, Tweety, and then Lambert from Pinocchio. There seems to be a poster, a poster like a commercial for cigars or something, and he's doing it, which I thought was kind of funny and appropriate since that was. What he did in that movie. So yeah. there's your. Uh, I think the next time we have some cameos is the end of the movie. So. Yeah. And wasn't you saw the like little cherub babies from Fantasia when they first come in? There's one of those flying around. And, oh yeah, oh, yeah. There, there was. I missed yeah. some because I there, was trying. Yeah. Like the tortoise and the hare, that old cartoon. There were the little like female bunnies sitting on the fence that cheer yes. on the hare. Like it's just it's really dense. Know. Like yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, there's a lot of love for the history <laughs> yeah. in this. Yeah, in this they movie. really celebrate. I think all the tunes very well with that, like all the different cameos. And so this is where we find out him asking her, "What does she see in Roger?" And she says, "You know, he, that guy makes me laugh." Uh, and then I have Doom through the dip down. <laughs> Say that three times fast. Yeah, Doom through the dip down, and he, they, he goes, "We got to follow him this way because Roger's apparently taken the car and gone on a joyride." That's and, what it is. And then he goes, Thank "We got to go this way," and he, when he throws his thumb out, Benny earlier said, "If you ever need a ride, throw out your thumb." So Benny shows up. That's they right. get into it. They leave. Dupe Dupe throws the dip. Doom throws the dip, <laughs> and uh, that's what happens. And it goes over Benny's wheels. Yeah. And so Benny stops driving and crashes. Um. And then they wind up all getting kidnapped by Doom and the Weasels. And they go to the Acme Warehouse. Not Benny, which was Doom's downfall. Yes. And they frisk Eddie first for the will. And then they frisk Jessica. And one of the Weasels goes down her cleavage. And a bear claw trap comes out. (laughs) And then Eddie says, nice booby trap. So... That's, Which, when I was is... a kid, was the funniest joke that ever existed mm-hmm. in the world. We all talked about it on the playground. Yeah, so they're looking for the will uh, at that factory or the warehouse, whatever it is. Um, and then the cab, I love when 
Roger pulls up and the car is all, we find out Roger's been driving the car. Roger is a terrible driver. The car's all messed up. But Roger and, looks so pleased with himself. Like he's driving with like the top down and like. Yeah. And he's made it that far. <laughs> and, like, hmm, and, and then Benny, Benny like, hops hey. in and I love that Benny drives a car, like a car driving but a car. But it's still Benny's headlights. It's like yeah. his eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then we find out Doom's plan here. You know, Doom is Cloverleaf. He wants to eliminate Tombtown with the dip mobile and kind of reveals what that looks like. And it's like all these gallons of dip that will eliminate them in minutes. And if they don't find the will within like, what is it? Five minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. At, at midnight, yeah. the, the Toontown defaults to Cloverleaf. Yeah. I love that like Doom's plot like his whole plan is such another classic noir like 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 all the old private eye movies about the detective uncovering the plot to like buy up all the cheap farms and mow them down and steal yeah. their water to build up LA you know like uh was that Chinatown did that one but there's there's so many of those stories that it fits right into that uh it's also like funny cuz that's how it is now yeah like Dooms may have not like Doom succeeded, quote unquote, but he didn't actually, but somebody did. Somebody did because yeah. it is a freeway of gas stations and fast food and billboards and you know, and him describing all of that and dismantling the trolley because My I God, think it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, because Eddie said, you know, well, we've got the trolley, why would anybody want yeah. cars? Um and then Roger shows up with a gun. So Roger wants to be Jessica's <laughs> knight in shining armor. And he gets flushed down. Is this when he gets flushed down the toilet? That's before he shows up. Well, he has the gun. He goes in and then, yeah, the toilet. And then he shows up again. And him leaping, he's like, get back in there. He's like, Roger, my darling. He does that, like, leap over to her. Yeah. It's so good. It's yeah. also good. But then, like. Him trying to be heroic is Yeah. Really and then sweet. they drop a ton of bricks on him. Yeah. And so they capture him With and a Jessica, sign that says a ton a of ton bricks. A ton of bricks. Like, ton O bricks. Yeah. And then they tie Roger and Jessica up. And uh, the weasel says it's time to kill the rabbit, which kind of sounds a little Elmer Fudd-esque. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. And, like, it's a sing-songy voice. Uh, and then this is when Jessica says that Roger was better than Goofy. Like, yes. So you know that Roger like covets I, I, Goofy's I, performance so much that Jessica knows. Well, I love that. I think in this world, like Goofy is considered like there's like everybody, like Goofy's the workhorse. Like Goofy's the real talent, and like Mickey's good and he's the thing. But I think like all the performers are like, oh, you got to work with Goofy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like there's a, <laughs> it just feels very Hollywood the way uh -huh. they, they talk about stuff. But that's when Judge Doom trips on like a box of... Of eyeballs. And he covers his eye when he gets up and he runs away. So obviously he's lost an his eyeball. His fell out amongst Yeah, but we don't whatever. know that yet. Um, and then he mentions the laughing yourselves to death again. And then Eddie gets the idea. Literally it goes, ding! <laughs> like, yes, and he starts this comic sing-along, very vaudeville-style uh whole miming thing to just make the weasels laugh until they die he's doing the merry-go-round broke down again it's the same song Ro roger was doing yeah and he's trying to rhyme different words and like he's having a hard time rhyming but the souls of the weasels as they leave the weasel's body <laughs> are very comedic even though it is a very dark scene well there's two things about this scene number one earlier in the movie they go you know how the, there's no way to kill a tune and then he kills five tunes without dip Right. Yeah, that's or I guess a good four. Point. He kicks one into it. Yeah. But then but then the other thing is like he jumps up on a pogo stick and gets electrocuted and he's he's like 
If you really want to dissect this movie, why do Toon rules suddenly apply? Is it because he's so close to Toontown? That was my question is I thought, well, I guess you can't die in Toontown, but his brother died by a Toon pushing a piano over him. That wasn't in Toontown? They seem to imply he had left Toontown. Okay, because then that was my question is maybe he can't die when he's in Toontown. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's such a good arc for his character Mm -hmm. that I I excuse it. Yeah. 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 So then Roger says, you're killing him. You're slaying him. You're knocking him dead, which I just thought was fun. Uh, and then the dip mobile starts running. And again, this is a whole like much longer sequence than I think how we're going to describe One of the weasel it. souls keeps like it going while he's the psycho yeah. weasel. And Eddie goes to stop it. And then you see as Eddie's going to stop it, there's this shot of doom going up that conveyor belt in the background, yeah. which is like mm-hmm. super ominous. And then he, uh, him and Doom start fighting, and Doom has the sword in his cane, which you he kind of reveals, so you don't know that's coming. And then Eddie grabs a singing sword, which is Frank Sinatra singing witchcraft, which <laughs> got, really, really made me laugh. Um, I just it was a good bit. And then the magnet. So then he's fighting him with a magnet, and then the, he gets the stuck to the barrel. The fight is a lot of fun. Yeah, like, and again, there's a lot going on there, so it's hard to really describe it. There's, there, I I don't know why I really like this. It's a dumb line, but I like when he holds the magnet and he's trying to get Doom at him, but Doom has a sword, and he just realizes, oh, he's gonna stab me with the sword, and then he gets stuck to the barrel, and Doom goes, "Shink, don't move." Like yeah. I don't know why I find that <laughs> yeah. so funny because it's like Judge Doom having like the slight humor like mm-hmm. the one point of humor where he's like and like because he's supposed to be a tune and according to roger tune's point is to make you laugh and just like he can't help it's like don't move like yeah. i don't know i just like it yeah no it's good um and then that steamroller comes into play he goes don't move he goes against a steamroller because yes. he's gonna just he could have just killed eddie but yes and a- just roll over him and then there's the gl- is it glue did we ever Eddie find out finds what a portable hole. It's yes. cool. He, he gets out of it. He starts fighting. The steamroller's still going, and he holds up a like a cardboard box of glue or something. It's like and a it, big can of glue, but it's like yeah. a papery looking and can. Because like, his foot sticks in the can, yeah. I think, at one point, like a paint can. And he gets and Doom gets stuck to the floor and then to the, the wheel. To the roller, the steamroller. You know, Eddie goes and helps them. And, and this is hear, where you start to hear Doom's high pitched voice. Yes. When the roller you start to hear it and then as he flattens it gets a little bit more horrifying. Yeah. Uh and then he stands up flattened and the way they did that was really interesting just like he's flat but he's still moving and he's like trying to stand up and then he blows himself back up with helium but it pops his eyes out yeah and Mm -hmm. that's when you see his crazy eyes his red eyes and his high pitch voice which is i think where he gets super horrifying because it's so scary when there aren't human eyes yes and it's just he was already scary enough like we watched him murder a shoe. Yeah. Like he's already pretty dark to begin with, and then you see his like transformation. When you think about this guy who like earlier is a bad guy, like his whole shtick is like how controlled and tight and like flat he is, and he's horrifying like that. He even when he's in that like state, Mold. he still yeah. like mm-hmm. kills people, and now he's like completely unhinged and he's wild. Yes. It's like. Yeah. If he's that bad when he's like controlling himself, how how horrible is it going to be now that he's like completely unleashed? You know that that yeah. as a kid, I remember that sticking with me. Like, oh God, what does he do now? 
Yeah, yeah, so wild. And so then this wild fight ensues. He's like bouncing around on because now he's following tune rules. His yeah. hand turns into an anvil and he punches uh, Eddie. Eddie. Then it turns into a saw and Eddie like sees the hammer with the the punching the, glove which earlier. we saw earlier. Yeah, which I don't know that we and talked he, about. And he tries to punch Doom, but Doom dodges out of the way. But then it hits like the release valve on the dip truck and just sprays Doom with dip. And then he melts, and he says, I'm melting like the Wicked Witch of the West, yeah. which reminded me. Isn't funny. It's horrible. No. Well, so I have a story. Um, my brother loved the Wizard of Oz when he was little, like very little, like a couple of years old little. And we were at my grandfather's, and he had a pool. And I don't know why I thought that this was funny. Um, and I like went underwater and did like, I'm melting and like went underwater. And when I came up, my brother was hysterically crying and I like felt so bad about it to this day. I don't think my brother remembers it because he was like young and he loved that movie. And I don't know why I thought like he'd get a kick out of it. Like it's horrifying. And then watching it here, I'm like. That's what he thought was happening to me, that I was just, like, actually I, melting into such the Such a wall. perfect older sibling move. Like I was that. just yeah. thinking, I feel like if we pressed you, since you have two younger brothers, you've probably got a million stories Well, like that, and my, you were, like, just oh, yeah. trying to be funny. You're like, oh, God. Well, and my brother and I are 12 years apart, so we didn't have as many of those kinds of moments because of our age difference. So that was a moment where I was just like, oh, God, this is not what I intended. But it is horrifying to watch him melt. Like yeah, that yeah. whole scene is is a horrifying death scene that he has. And then just his mask and like his clothes that are left. Because well, they they wash away all the dip, but like his yeah, it goes down paint the drain. stays around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then so that when the cops show up, they go, "Look, he had yellow yellow paint that'll match the paint that was on the rope that, that fell on Acme's yeah. head." Blah blah blah. So they connect all the dots and the then the dip mobile goes through the wall and we now have a big uh Well, we also forgot to mention he lowers Jessica and Roger and then Sister Mary Frances when Ben Yeah, Mary Frances. <laughs> so I made sure to write that. But then that's the reveal of the will on the love letter. Yes. We find out that the invisible and reappearing ink Because the ink on Eddie's shirt that disappeared comes back. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, read that love letter to Jessica now. He's like how shall I count the ways? I'm of an acme of sound mind and body. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And then um, now we see the like explosion the of come cameos. In. Okay, so there's a lot of people we've seen, and there's no way I got them all. But I have the trees from Silly Symphony, Peter from Peter and the Wolf, Jose Carioca. I know, your guy. My boy comes back. Bambi, Pinocchio, Sylvester, uh, Foghorn Leghorn, the harp from Fun and Fancy Free, Woody Woodpecker, Pokey. What? I don't know what that says. Uh, Porky Wiley, Pig? Porky maybe? Pig. That must be it. Uh, Wiley Coyote. Speedy Gonzalez. Uh, Daisy Duck. Pluto. Tinkerbell. Like, everybody shows up. You know, the, the, the tunes have gotten Toontown back. That was what was in the will, that he was giving it over to the tunes. So the tunes have it. Dolores is there. Everybody hugs each other. Porky goes, that's all, folks. Hey, that sounds pretty good. Which I'm now kind of curious when Porky Pig first said, that's all, folks like canonically so if like it was before 1947 just but it's a fun way he does that and then because we have to have the equal uh warner brothers to disney characters porky pig says that's all folks but then tinkerbell does the uh goodbye so that's it guys i i I loved it it was so nice seeing it again um 
right? Like we all agree we liked it, correct? Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's great. Now I'm I'm gonna say you've referenced this as a PG thirteen movie several times, but it's PG on Disney Plus. I think it's There's a, no way. Are you it's serious? A PG movie. But this is one of those, again, it's a late 80s, so PG-13 existed by now. I think this is like the year when they started rolling PG out, this or the year before. Do you think it's because they don't say the S word? That's got to be it. Because the language is pretty light. Yeah, the language is light. There's, I think a lot of the actual violence is all against tunes. So they're using that like cartoon and robot clause where it doesn't count as violence against actual people. That's my guess. No but way. man, for a I... PG movie, this is like really. Yeah, and it really—I yeah. don't know that it should be PG, honestly. If it came out today, it would be PG thirteen. Yeah. First of all, it came out today. We wouldn't have a smoking weasel and all that. But <laughs> um, let's let's go through. We have our questions we ask every time, so let's go through it. Uh, how was the princess? I'm going to say the princess in this case was Eddie Valiant. Okay. You just think he's okay, or you just no? Okay, Eddie okay. Valiant oh. is the princess. Yes. You think versus Roger? I think Roger's the prince. Okay. Eddie Valiant is the core of this movie. Mm, yeah, I think. Yeah, and I also think the acting portrayal of Bob Hoskins. He has said this is one of his most memorable favorite films he's worked on wow. because he was able to also take his kid to see it, which he probably traumatized wow. his kid as well. But uh, he does <laughs> such a good job. Like to think that all of his part of that. Part of the reason I think people forget how good Bob Hoskin is is because you forget he's not working with anybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good yeah. point. But he's it, just incredible oh, in this. Yeah, absolutely. Him, him, just imagine him miming all that is such a big deal. He also gets the most musical cues because he gets the like cool detective jazz stuff going on, but he gets the "I'm remembering my brother" song. Yeah. And then he gets the like adventure uh, orchestral score, um, and I. I had this note. I'm sorry to keep going back to this, but the the I remember my brother song sounds so much like this old jazz song called I remember Clifford, which uh, Ryan, being a fellow Clark Band alumni, you might. Are you a trumpet player? I was a trumpet player. Yes, That's sir. Right. Oh. So um, Ryan and I overlap our Venn diagram quite a bit too. With yeah. Trumpet and Star Wars and Plano and all that stuff, but yep. uh, that was a big song of Mr. Villarreal, our band director. He loved that song. Right. And uh, that so hearing that theme makes me, you know, tie into all that uh it, it really sticks out. But I thought it was an amazing way that they incorporated that uh that kind of jazz into it and flipped back and forth. But yeah, he so he had yeah. three themes. So um the princess I think is Roger Rabbit and Roger Rabbit is such a well designed character, I think, and, and and super interesting and funny. Um I really like he's fun to watch. Like he was for a while they wanted him to be like the fifth like major character at the parks. Like it was supposed to be Mickey Minnie, oh. Donald Goofy, and then they were trying to get Roger in there. I think in general they've really dropped the ball on this IP for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why. Because I feel like tune to it's something where you can incorporate all your other IPs into it and it should fit pretty seamlessly and they just I, I don't know. They tried doing it in some things at the thing. There's Toontown and, and Disney World and Disneyland. And I know there's that ride, but the ride's kind of standard. So, mm. yeah. So, what'd you guys think about Roger? Oh, I thought Roger was great. And I think, like, all the tunes, but Roger specifically, I feel like, brings a lot of humor that's needed throughout this film mm-hmm. through some of the dark spots. And I just think he's a joy. I really like Roger a lot. Yeah. I, I love Roger. Um, 
I like his motivation. I think he's very like true to his character. Like you know what he's about. Like he lives in that world very well. He really wants to like connect people, make them laugh. Um, every time he freaks out and his eyes bug out and he goes Wah! and there's a horn blasting that he yeah. generates also. I love that. Like I, I want that to be my my ringtone and like annoy everyone around me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that'd be... <laughs> not gonna annoy any patients if uh -huh. that happens. Uh, <laughs> and his oh, excuse his... me, my wife's calling. <laughs> yes, and his P -p -p please, like, and that yeah. was something that I know that the voice actor I think added or did on his own, and then they kept it in. I don't know. He talks about it in the prop yeah. episode a little oh. bit, but that yeah. Um, how are the sidekicks? I like Benny the Cab a lot. You like Dolores. I mean. Yeah, Je like do we, I mean, is Jessica Rabbit considered a yeah, sidekick? Yeah, I'd say that too. Yeah. <laughs> I The weasels are problematic in some moments, but overall I like them as well. As They're like good henchmen. villains, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like, of course I'm very fond of Benny because he gave me my systematic <laughs> Francis <Yes. laughs> systematic yes. catchphrase Francis. that I, I popularized. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, favorite musical number? I think I said it. I love Daffy and Donald playing dueling pianos, like literal dueling pianos. Uh, I think mine, I like Jessica Rabbit because I like her entrance. That song's really good, that too. Song's and I really thought it was good. And that's just a jazz that's a standard. Isn't it? It's some sort of jazz standard. I, thi I think that's just a song just for this. I think yeah, I, I have no else. idea. I um, I'm, not as, I'm not as versed in jazz. I, th I probably should have saved my comment for this part, but I, I really liked that uh, I Missed My Brother theme because it reminds me of I Remember Clifford so much. So, mm. uh, Does it hold up? So I have like a sudden turn on this since I've been told it's PG and not PG-13. <laughs> when it was PG-13, like I didn't, we'll still talk about this stuff, but like I was like, oh yeah, guns and firearms, drinking, smoking, all that's in there. But it didn't really bother me. It was a PG-13 movie. As a PG movie, I'm a little like, wow, they really pushed the guns and smoking and all that in this. Yeah. I think um, it holds up as in like, I think it feels like it could have been made today. I Yeah. You I know, think in that for regard. The period. Yeah. In that regard. But yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's one that it is very good. It is very funny. But I do think... Um, you need to be mindful. We all saw it when we were very young and probably yeah. too young. Um, I, it's debatable if we turned out okay. I think we all did, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think as a parent, and I mean, Ryan, you're a parent. Have your kids seen You said this? that for a second. I thought you were talking to me and I was oh, like, what? Like, what? No, no, but, but this have is, your this kids how seen we this? Reveal and, and I don't know, I don't know the ages of your children, but I didn't know, you know, is this something that like, you're going to make sure you wait enough time for them to watch it? And, you know, I didn't know if you had any insight being a parent. Yeah. And I... I'm probably going to fall on one end of the spectrum uh, for like parents showing their kids movies because I will just like thrust things in front of my kids and I'm like, I had to sit through this. You're going to love it and I'll just deal. <laughs> but so I, we, we did show this to my son. Uh, he is now 10. We showed it to him a few years ago. And I think that viewing was the first one I had of this movie as an adult. We watched it with him and I was like, oh, there's a lot of stuff in this. Okay. But. <laughs> No, it's uh, so I, I would. My daughter right now is six, and I would probably hold off a little bit, or maybe we'd watch it. She doesn't. Uh, she doesn't sit down and watch a whole movie usually anyway. But mm -hmm. there's enough stuff in there that I. I think it's a lot of opportunity for conversation. So, if you yeah. if you like stopping a movie and saying now. You see how much he's drinking this stuff called alcohol, and that's 
that, and this is what we do. You know, if you like that kind of movie experience, then this is this is great. But uh, yeah, be warned. Yeah, and I think too there is something to be said that depending on the age, like Ryan, my Ryan kept mentioning, like where things were going over your head, right? Things you oh, wouldn't yeah. have caught. And I think there's something to be said about that because I watched a lot of things that were not age appropriate as a kid that like I didn't catch yeah. what was inappropriate about the dialogue and whatnot. So I I do think there's something to be said about that. But I will say the scenes with Doom and especially his death scene, I think you have to know your child to know how sensitive they would be to something like yeah. that, I would think. Well, speaking of Doom, I, for some reason, when uh, I, we started this today, completely forgot, like, as soon as we started mentioning Doom, I'm like, oh man, we're going to get to do Doom for the, the, the villains ranking. Um, I'm going to assume you're pretty familiar with the villains ranking, Ryan, so we, yeah. can, we can just skip right to it. Uh, here we go, the infallible scientific villain ranking, Frightening. Uh, anybody not going to go with a five? Oh, a five. Okay. Yeah. Five. He's going to score pretty high, I think. I, I, yeah. I, for some reason, haven't thought of Judge Doom on this list. And as soon as we started, I'm like, oh, he's going to be pretty high. Yeah. yeah. Um, funny. I, I would like to give him a two because of the don't move line. That's it. Other than that, I think I'm, I think a two is very generous. Uh, but what do you guys think? I think a two's fair, like because he has a few moments of levity, or a few moments where like his intensity is fits a humor smooth. Like the shave and the haircut bit, like he plays it so straight, but that's that's pretty funny. But he's just terrifying the whole time. So yeah, what are you gonna give him, Tara? I'm gonna give him a one. No, I I'm agree with, with I why agree. you guys are giving him a two, but I think I just those moments don't stick out to me as much because I he's like so horrifying. So uh, up next is fierce. Um, I don't know. I think he's got some cape drama because he's got kind of that 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 duster jacket, and mm-hmm. I think when he does that like one eighty turn, it's very like ha. But yeah. it's also very methodical. Like he's trying to hide the fact that he's a tune, so he's trying to be very stiff. But he commands the room. Like when he's That's in the point. room, like yeah. his presence is pretty heavy. I'm yeah. going with a four. Like he's very. He's very intense and he doesn't have to say a lot. And like for moment one, like again, one of the first things we see is him murder a tune. Yeah. Like that's good, like okay, his that's, opening yeah. scene. So. Well, from so his I'll first a- thing, he's like stabbing Valiant in the hand with his cane and he's immediately oh, like, yeah. like alpha moves on everyone around him. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'd give so him a four. You, a four. Okay. Uh, we have effective. Um, I mean, he almost, I, I want to give him high marks on this too. Cause he like behind the scenes has become the the the, the well he's sole, created a company he's created a company this is like you you realize his his plan goes all the way back to when he murdered Eddie's brother which I'm yeah. assuming was like half a year or further well all the dust on the desk on Eddie's yeah. brother's stuff makes you think it was a while ago and he so and that's why he robbed the bank to get the money to become the the single stockholder of Cloverfield to buy out this stuff to to murder up to like he has it's a very intricate plan that he's carried out not to completion so i don't think he's super high but i think he he was at the legitimate precipice of getting exactly what he wanted he mm-hmm. was he was yards away from destroying two i think it's a four yeah I think he I, was there was like mine. he had the mobile it was filled with the dip like the time it was almost midnight like like you said he basically was there yeah i think a four and especially with the complexity of his plan i mean he wasn't just 
he wasn't just oh, I want to stop you or I want to I want to do this one thing. He's like for decades or years or whatever. So yeah, four for sure. Uh, design. I like his design okay, but I like it even more watching it this time and realizing his teeth looked fake. He had that yeah. that makeup line. There are little things in his design that we are not meant to see the first time, but are to lead us to probably to make us go. There's some like I you know you think he's bald, but he's got that little bit of hair. Well, like, even. Christopher Lloyd, when you watch the prop show and he puts on the hat, right? Is it the hat? Yeah, I think he does. Like he totally. Because he touched it without a glove and all the scenes after that you see him with gloves yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he totally transforms back to that character. And I think there's something to be said. I think that's performance, but I think that's included in design mm-hmm. for him. Uh, I think all I of think the he's... little meticulous things he does as doom because of what he the trajectory he knows his character to become right yeah. like i give him a five and i really you... oh, okay yeah and if you contrast that with when he goes into like freak out tune mode how well those complement each other and it still makes sense in his design but it's also so different with his eye like when his eye they close up on his eyes and they're like doing the swirl blinking red and white like yeah Ah, it's awesome. And ju- yeah, the whole performance, I think, by him. And again, I think that's performance versus design, but I think it's hard to split them up in this, mm-hmm. right? So. Uh, what, do you, what, what number do you give him, five. Ryan? I'll go, with the, I'll give, go with the five. I, I gave him a four a little bit because it's a hard four, but I, I just still gave him four. Go away, Heat. I think I'm going to have to give him really high go away, Heat, because when I was a kid and I first watched this, there was nothing I wanted more for that last scene of him to end like yeah. I was hiding, you were like, hiding get the out of there. here. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because I think nowadays he gets like a four as well in uh, yes factor for me because I was so excited to see him. I just forgotten about him, mm-hmm. but I think he also gets a four and go away heat for me because I was so scared. Like there's 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 guys that scare you, and then this was horrifying. The whole time we're watching, it, we're all going, "This is horrifying for a kid." Yeah, like even when we saw that last bit, I was going, "I kind of went, when does this scene end?" Like I <laughs> liked him like. Outside of that, but I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, this guy is, is horrifying, so he gets a four for me. You're going to think I'm crazy. Okay. I'm going to give him a three. Okay. What? That's not crazy. Okay. Like, if you'd said, like, well, I'm going to leave this podcast forever. Yeah, no. I just, <laughs> I, I can see why it's higher. I almost want to give him a two, but, like, I don't mind him on the screen because I find him so fascinating. He's also horrifying. Do you want to give him a two? That's fine if you want to do that. No, I'll stay with the three. Okay. Because he is because hor- I kept saying he was horrifying, but yeah, he's not last... like Amos for me in uh, Fox and the Hound, where I literally wanted less of that character. Yes. So I would say I, in some points, want it more of Doom because he's so intense and he changes everything. Okay. When he's in a scene. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, I I think he's such a powerful force in this that like I I agree. I don't have a lot of like oh that guy whips me and I want him to go away. I, I really enjoy him being on the screen, see him terrify me and everyone. So I'm going to give him a two. Okay. Uh, so well, well, what do you give him for yes factor then? I would give him a four for yes factor. I'm almost at a five. I think a four. I, I, I don't, like I really, like when I, if I'm thinking about things I want to see from this movie, it's more Eddie and Roger, a little more than mm-hmm. Doom. So like he's not a total, but but when he's on the screen, I'm, I know something amazing, like something wild or crazy or terrifying. He's is gonna captivating. Happen. Yeah, captivating. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I give him the same one. Tara, what do you give him for Yes Factor? I was uh, sorry. Part of the other reason I gave him four is because for some reason I forgot about him as a villain 
I don't know what it was. And then as soon as we started watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to get to rank this guy. Like, I got yeah. really excited. <laughs> mostly about ranking him, but I was like, I'm, yeah. I think I'm going to give him a three. Okay. Well, he is going to be up there. Yeah. We have a new tie. What place and who? He is now tied for fourth with Captain Hook. Wow. Wow. That's cool. I'm kind of glad he's up there. I he think, deserves to be up there. I think he gets up into the top 10 mostly because he is so horrifying. crazy and horrifying. He's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he is He is now tied with uh, Captain Hook. And it's so funny because they feel like such opposite sides of the coin of the villain thing. Like, Captain Hook is so different from Judge Doom. But I would, I'm like, yeah. they deserve to be up there together. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So... I'm assuming we're all going to keep this. Like, oh, yeah. It goes high on the shelf, I think. Very high. Yeah. yeah. This is a classic movie to me. It's not just a classic yeah. animated. It's, 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 there's so much done. And here. it's one that. And interesting. It's a good, it's, it's a, it's, I would say it's one of my top film noirs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, period. It's a good film noir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you going to say something? I, I was just going to say, and I think it holds up, as we said, like it doesn't feel outdated. It feels yeah, yeah. like it's something because it's a period piece. And I think just because of how well they did the live action with the animation, mm-hmm. I feel it feels very timeless as well as period specific, if that makes sense. I'm shocked they haven't made a sequel. I know they've I talked about it many glad times. They, I don't There's know. There's part of me that thinks that, but I still think. There's missed opportunities for for stuff. You never see Roger Rabbit at the parks. Anymore. I would agree with that. I think there's way more things you could do with the IP as it currently mm-hmm. exists. What were yeah. you saying, Ryan? Yeah, I think there's. Yeah, they they. I wish they could do something with the franchise. I wonder if part of it is just like licensing issues or whatever. But even if they just kept the Disney part of it, like, I'd love to see more Roger Rabbit. I, I think. I they, wonder if it's a licensing with Warner Brothers. Well, that's what I have, think. They wouldn't but, have to put Warner Brothers in new stuff. I mean. Yeah. I feel like they own so much stuff. There's got to be other animated yeah. properties they could put in here. Hopefully so. I, I think this is, a like you said, it's a great film noir movie. It's kind of a great buddy cop movie at parts. It's a great, yeah. like, mm. cartoon. It's uh, It's got so much cool stuff. It's a really, really tight script. Like you said, everything kind of, like, sets things up and pays off. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a really, really good movie. So, unless we've done some, we do some major editing, this is going to end up being by far the longest episode. <laughs> and I just want to thank you because I know it's a Sunday night and I know you've got work and you have kids. And like, we are just so grateful that you're not only able to do this, but able to take the amount of time that this took yes. today. Because typically it doesn't take quite this long, but there was a lot with this film. Yes. So. Well, there's a lot. We have a lot to say. I, I, I love getting to be here. I'm super excited. I've listened to the whole podcast so far. I haven't missed an episode, and I've just been a oh, uh, huge fan. So it's really, really exciting for me to get to do this. It's a nice break from what I'm having to do at work right now. So Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> well, so a, a, as you probably know, we always ask our guests to plug something, whether it's uh, some uh, a personal project, something you're just enjoying, uh, a message of some sort, anything like that. So uh, feel free to plug away. Uh, I'm a physician assistant at one of the main hospitals in Dallas right now, and uh, I'm sure by the time this gets released, it won't have changed very much. We're in the, still in the midst of a pandemic. Um, if it uh, has changed a lot, like so many great things have happened. If it has changed, I will be so glad to retract this. But if assuming like you know we're we're uh, we're we're seeing really uh, profound numbers still, my team's the main one dealing with all of the the covid stuff uh at our hospital so my plug is uh if you get a chance to get the vaccine i've got it 
Uh, I have a lot of friends that got it. We helped do the study. Uh, consider getting the vaccine. If you can, please do. Uh, please keep uh, doing all the smart things we're supposed to do. Wear a mask, wash your hands, stay away from people the best you can. Uh, just hang in there a little longer with us because I, I feel like like we're getting much closer to the end of everything. So that's my plug is please be considerate for us being stuck at the hospital, getting overflowed and people who have pre-existing conditions like diabetes and stuff and don't want to get infected and please just keep, keep us in mind. We can, we can all do this together. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for that message. Thank you for and the work you've been doing. Thank you for all the work you're yeah. doing. Yeah. We, uh, have been preaching that to the choir, but we are those who are staying home versus out in it every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just thank you for all you're doing to kind of help along the way for sure. And uh, thanks again for doing this. Uh, up next, guys, is uh, Oliver and Company. Which Why I... should I worry? Well, okay. Right? I mean, that's the yeah, song, that's isn't it? it? It's yeah, Billy it is. Joel, Billy Joel. Nice. Wow. Uh, I think previously I had said Oliver and Company came before this, and my wife was right. As always. And so just, uh, yeah, that's her plug. As always, remember that Tara is right. So uh, we'll see you next time for Oliver and Company, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is to at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after.